Fortnightly podcast about some great stealth slash stealthy video games and also some rubbish ones. On every episode, we go in depth and all spoilery on one specific game and discuss whether said game's stealth and its boom boom are up to snuff. My name is Colin Ahern, and joining me on this episode is Monami Adam Carroll. Good evening. And Monamore. Josh Wise. <laughs> Hello. You'd never guess that I, about 20 seconds before we hit record, realised, uh-oh, I don't have intros for the lads. <laughs> so let's go to Google, English to French <laughs> translation, that'll do. Excellent. Uh, but yes, so the game we're talking about, obviously a kind of a French feel to it, but more importantly for this section of the podcast, a game that is nearly 10 years old. As you're listening to this, dear listener, uh, we are coming up on its 10th anniversary, which is why 2023, no, 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 we, we need to cast our minds back because, and yes, Adam, you'll be delighted because I've got it working again. All right. Tonight we're going to party like it's April 24th, 2013. <laughs> it's important. So yes, we do need to cast our minds back. Uh, 10 years ago to the 24th of April 2013 when this game came out and a couple of things to note first of all two days prior on the 22nd of April 2013 as well as celebrating Colin Mahern's birthday obviously <laughs> uh, we were also celebrating Robin Van Persie's hat-trick and Man United's 3-0 win over Aston Villa that clinched them their 20th and most recent Premier League title mm. keeping it in the Premier League, because this one is mad to remember, on the 24th of April, when, when this game came out, Uruguayan and Liverpool, and Barcelona, I suppose, legend uh, Luis Suarez was banned for 10 games after biting Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic oh, during bite. a two-all draw. Hmm. And not the only time he'd bite someone. Oh, because yeah. Because he bit Italy's Giorgio Chiellini in 2014 yeah. in the World Cup. Yeah, what's his problem? Really weird stuff. Turned a little bit of a Hannibal. Yeah. I do like to keep the, these things around the same week, but this one was too good not to mention. Because on the 14th of April, so 10 days before the game came out, 18-year-old <laughs> pop superstar Justin Bieber visited the Anne Frank house. <laughs> oh Does my anyone God. remember this? Yeah, and he said some dumb shit. He went to the Anne Frank house in Amsterdam and before leaving, he signed the guest book. And what he signed was, quote, truly inspiring to be able to come here. Anne was a great girl. Hopefully she would have been a believer. End quote. <laughs> oh dear. Got into a bit of hot water over that. I mean, yeah, even even just a good girl is 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 sort of not. Yeah. That's <laughs> sort of. Anne was a great girl. Yeah. That's just not 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 that's poor. Keeping it in the world of music. On top of the US charts, we had the absolute banger, and I will hear Nothing against this song, Just Give Me a Reason, which was Pink, along with the fella from Fun, Nate 
Roos, Royce, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Oh dear. In the UK, and I, I will say, going off the title, I, I was like, I, I don't, do I remember this song? I'd, I'd look it up and it's definitely a song I have heard at some stage in my life. It was Waiting All Night by Rudimental featuring Ella Eyre. That does not ring a bell. No. In movies, topping the box office in America, we had Oblivion, the post-apocalyptic sci-fi film with Tom Cruise. Oh, it's a good show. I wonder what your thoughts are of what was topping the the UK box office, Adam, because it wasn't Oblivion. It was indeed Olympus Has Fallen. (laughs) Yes, the Gerard Butler thriller that spawned sequels London Has Fallen in 2016 Mm. and Angel Has Fallen in 2019. Yes. And I'm sure something else will fall soon enough. Plenty falling. Yeah, And of course, that was one of those ones where there was two things that came out in the same year because Olympus Has Fallen came out, but then also White House Down came out with Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx. It was like that. No, both about the same thing. Just the White House gets besieged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a sort of Armageddon Deep Impact thing all over again. Yes. Mm. Are, are we are we in the mindset now, lads? We all we know we, we were talking about Justin Bieber's visit to Anne Frank and mm-hmm. Luis Suarez biting people. That, that was all the talk uh, around. But do you want to now do a podcast? solely on the fact that that pink song is not a banger we could really i could really go for it like is it pink you have an issue with or is it fun you have an issue not not fun the concept well fun the band or the concept either i think the song is absolute tripe that's the, that's the issue here i mean adam what what i would say to you then if you're saying the song is tripe i would say just give me a reason <laughs> Oh dear. Right. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about the game that I guess we're here to talk about in a segment we like to call Back of the Box. Yes, the game we're talking about today is Monaco. What's yours is mine. It's wild to think this came out 10 years ago, but it did. But some people might be listening and wondering what exactly is Monaco. And I can tell you that it is a, in a sentence, a top-down single player slash co-op class-based heist game. It came to a lot of different platforms. Firstly, it was on PC, as I said, on the 24th of April 2013. Came to 360 a few weeks later on the 10th of May. Then came to Mac in July, Linux in late October of 2013. And its most recent release date was on Nintendo Switch on the 21st of October 2019. Quite a time after its original release date and the way that you played it as well Adam yeah which we might might talk about later on uh, on the back of the physical box I thought this was going to be the game where I'd have to tell you it didn't come to retail but there was in fact a retail version of Monaco it released on the 20th of September 2013 around five months after its initial release mm. it was a collector's edition that included two steam keys in the box so you could play co-op with your with your pal. It had the soundtrack and a couple of trading cards of the playable characters, for physical trading cards. You were at one point able to buy it from Game and Amazon, but that is long gone. It's only digital if, if you're going to be getting it. But with all that said, and much to my dismay, I couldn't for the life of me find an image of the back of the box. So sadly... Seven games in, I am defeated. Aww. And we just have to turn, we have to turn to the Steam description instead. And that little blurb on the right of the game Steam page. And on Steam, it says, Monaco, what's yours is mine, is a single player or co-op heist game. Assemble a crack team of thieves, case the joint and pull off the perfect heist. 
It's just, it's lacking a bit of character. I want a bit more pizzazz. I, I want to know what the game is about, definitely, but I do need a bit more zhuzh it up. You need you know? some sauce. You need some sort of wild, I especially like it when they're sort of, they're a bit, they're wrong. Do you remember when, with Sly, it was like... I was just, he's one devious, thievious raccoonus. That's actually not <laughs> accurate, but need, nope. nevertheless, a back of the box needs a bit of juice like that, I think. It's a shame, but it seems doesn't have the possess. There are also maybe some people listening to this uh, who haven't played it and thus don't know the story. And this one is very twisty-turny. And there's quite a bit to it. So I'm going to try and break it down as best as possible. So give me 12 minutes of your time. No, I'll try and do it quicker than that. So firstly, you need to know that there are eight individual members of this criminal gang, each with a name that essentially explains their function for said gang. I'm not going to go into all of their abilities because that's for later. We're going to be talking about that when we're talking about the gameplay. Right now, all you need to know is that these are the names of the playable criminals in the game. So you have the locksmith, the pickpocket, the cleaner, the lookout, the mole, the gentleman, the hacker, and the redhead. And the story of Monaco is split up into separate campaigns, uh, predominantly told through flashbacks. And what I mean by that is that the locksmith, the pickpocket, and the lookout are being interviewed uh, in the story. They're being interviewed by a man called Inspector Voltaire, who is a member of the Monaco police force and he works for this company called Securitech that are Monaco's largest security firm. And then each interview is its own campaign. And each level within those campaigns that you play is a recounting of events by each individual person. So you, in the, in the, the story, you are replaying maps in the campaigns because the pickpockets version of events differs from the locksmiths, for example. Mm. So the maps are similar, but there are differences, basically. Uh, so, story number one, the locksmith's interview. In that, locksmith, pickpocket, cleaner, and the lookout escape Monaco prison. They meet up with the mole, then they steal some passports, they rob a bank, and then they ask the mole's friend, the gentleman, to help them leave the country on his boat. But when they get on the boat, the thing blows up, which obviously is not great. Anyway, they plough on, and they break uh, a new pal, the hacker, out of hospital. And then the gentleman says that David, who is the CEO of Securitech, was the person that blew up his boat. So the gentleman convinces the other criminals they need to go to Securitech to delete the surveillance footage of them on the boat. Then after doing that, the gang go to a nightclub to pick up another new friend in the redhead, who is the gentleman's girlfriend and apparently the murderer of David. So that obviously, you know, throws a cat amongst the pigeons. They lose sight of their goal a little, then they just start robbing places pretty much like the Prince of Monaco's gaff, the Monte Carlo Casino. Anyway, in the end, you know, no honour among thieves, etc. It turns out that the gentleman, the redhead, the hacker and the mole were all in cahoots and were trying to screw over the other four. <laughs> there was never an escape plan or anything like that. So the aforementioned four, the gentleman, the redhead, the hacker, the mole, they knock out the locksmith, the pickpocket, the lookout and the cleaner, <laughs> leaving the before I just mentioned there, leaving them to get arrested by the police and then the gentleman's crew escape. However, in the pickpockets interview, that story, while similar, it differs from the locksmith story. The pickpocket says that the original four met up with the other four much earlier and embarked on a similar path to what the locksmith laid out. But uh, the pickpocket made out that they, the eight of them were more of a, un a unit. In this timeline, 
The mole blew up the previously mentioned boat on the gentleman's orders. Then the crew went about trying to frame David and Securitech for the crimes of the criminals by planting evidence at crime scenes. Uh, David's death was also staged by the criminals, apparently. It wasn't David's corpse in the nightclub. It was the smugglers. And the money they were stealing wasn't to smuggle the criminals out of the country. It was to smuggle weapons. It's around this time in the interview that the pickpocket reveals he'd actually infiltrated the gentleman's crew doing undercover work for Interpol. The pickpocket says the gentleman was planning these elaborate crimes, like robbing the Prince of Monaco, to try and spook the rat who was the pickpocket, into revealing themselves. But the, the gentleman didn't know who the rat was. He just knew there, there was a rat. Anyway, it didn't work. And then the cops show up at the gentleman's flat at the, the, the last mission of the game. It basically plays out the same in both stories, apart from the knocking out bit. The gentleman just tells everyone to escape. Inspector Voltaire, who is um, conducting the interviews for everyone, they say that they're going to verify the pickpocket story. So they they head off to Interpol HQ, and this is where we learn the whole story's absolute balderdash. Because the locksmith, the pickpocket, the lookout, and the cleaner escape Monaco prison whilst you get the credits of the game. I love that. love an interactive credit (laughs) sequence. While Voltaire heads to Interpol. And that's the main story of Monaco. Because... There was DLC added in the form of the Origins campaign, which was uh, the Lookout. And then there's a campaign called Finn, which carries it on further. But, you know, I said, I jokingly said 15 minutes, but I I don't want to actually be here for 15 minutes. (laughs) That's a fairly thorough retelling of Monaco's story, which we'll go into our opinions on it later on. The developer and publisher of this one, we have, I mean, the story of this really revolves around one company and that is the developer and publisher of Monaco on PC and that's Pocket Watch Games. You did have Majesco Entertainment published it on 360 and Humble Games published uh, Monaco on Switch but Pocket Watch Games is the story of Monaco and the story of Pocket Watch Games is very much the story of video game designer Andy Schatz. I think it's Schatz. So Schatz began designing games at a very young age, scripting maze games for the Commodore 64. And rather than, you know, give his entire life story, fast forwarding on a little, uh, he got a degree in computer science and fine arts from a college in Massachusetts. And he spent the next couple of years working first for a viral marketing firm and then a developer called Presto Studios. There, he worked on 1999 Star Trek Hidden Evil and a 2002 party game called Whacked, which will come up later, actually. It's mentioned in one of the interviews around Monaco. He then joined TKO Software, a company that did contract work for EA. Here, he worked on a few games of note, including 2004's GoldenEye Rogue Agent. <laughs> I know you're, you're a massive James Bond fan, Josh. It's an outrageous game. I, 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 do, I do admire that game. In brief... The protagonist has an actual golden eye. That's how stupid it was. For anyone who's seen the the golden eye is just the name of a satellite, but that game was so shit that he had a gold, he had an actual golden eye, and he had X-ray vision. The eye gave him X-ray vision. It was rubbish. Outstanding. Uh, but good fun. But good fun. In a 2013 interview with Polygon, Schatz said, "Quote: Before Golden Eye came in, we were between contracts. TKO had built a team of 150 people who were doing nothing." End quote. And it's at this point that he designed and prototyped a house robbing game. It was sent to Microsoft, but nothing came of it. And that prototype 
would go on to become Monaco. Mm. But not not for a while, because in the meantime, Schatz left TKO and set up Pocket Watch Games in December 2004. So, you know, a while before Monaco. Mm. In 2005, he released Wildlife Tycoon Venture Africa, which was a zoo tycoon type, but with a focus on interspecies relationships and the ecosystem. It resulted in Schatz being named as an IGF finalist, the Independent Games Festival. It garnered enough funds to create Venture Africa, a sequel which was released in 2007. However, unlike the original, it did bomb. So you kind of had to leave that. Mm. After this, Schatz did something that's a question in trivia espionage action. So look forward to that. Uh, Schatz's <laughs> next game, however, was one that was ultimately cancelled called Venture Dinosauria. It sounded, when I was looking it up, it sounds like a proto Jurassic World Evolution. So it was kind of ahead of the curve a little bit from what I, my understanding of it. But yeah, as I say, it was cancelled. Then, after all that, Schatz returned to his earlier idea that was first born at TKO and began to create what we now know as Monaco, what's yours is mine. After uh, developing a prototype in 15 weeks, Monaco won two IGF awards in 2010 and a cool 30k. And over the next year, there was a bit of back and forth with Microsoft and then Valve came to the table looking to get the game on Steam. It was planned for PS3, but there was a data breach uh, on PSN and Shats put a stop to that port. It basically ended up coming to PlayStation. Oh, shit. And then during this time, another person, Andy Nguyen, joined the ranks to help with merchandise, level designing and producing. And then another person uh, joined development around this, this time as well, and that was composer Austin Wintry who Schatz approached after hearing his work on that game company's flow and journey to create the soundtrack for Monaco. Schatz found a publisher on 360 in Majesco, who I mentioned earlier. They were going to publish on that platform while Pocket Watch self-published on Steam. And in the Polygon interview, Schatz said, quote, most publishers wouldn't agree to us publishing on Steam. And we told them to go to hell, end quote. Fantastic bit of <laughs> bite there. I like it. Uh, I could go on about him, but I, I you, you know, you've you've got enough background really at this point. So fast forward again a few years, and Monaco is released, and that's pretty much the story of Pocket Watch Games up to this point. We know that Monaco Two is on the way. Oh. It was announced in March of last year, but at time of recording, we don't have a release date yet. But chances are, we'll talk about Pocket Watch Games when we're discussing Monaco Two in. I don't know, a decade or something, but however long that'll take, I, I have no idea. Maybe as you're listening to this, there might be a release that I'm not sure. But yeah, that's the story of Pocket Watch Games and Andy Schatz, because they're intertwined basically, up to this point. The sales of this one, the most recent sales figures I have are from the 9th of September 2014. I have nothing after that. Tried hard to try and find something. But on this date, so it was a year... A year and change after the game came out. But Pocket Watch Games took to their blog to announce that Monaco had sold over 1 million copies. And they were Aww. sure to point out as well in the blog that that, didn't, that figure didn't figure in any um, free copies or anything that was part of like a promotion or anything like that. There was people who just bought Monaco solely. So hmm. what, what it sold in the nine years after that up to now, I, I have no idea. But yeah, over a million at Excellent. least. Excellent. The critical reception of this one on PC, it got 83 on Metacritic and 81 on Xbox 360. And that is the back of the box of Monaco, What's Yours is Mine. 
one thing I didn't mention, Andy Schatz, a ultimate Frisbee player. There you go. His little, uh, little <laughs> oh, that's really? I like that. That's great. But yeah, that's that great. is a little summary of Monaco, What's Yours Is Mine. So we are going to take a quick break while you, dear listener, listen to the official trailer of Monaco, What's Yours Is Mine, which we're going to be talking about in a minute when we talk about the marketing and press coverage around the games, well, pre the games launch. So yeah, we'll be back in just a tick. Monte Carlo. This city is my prison. And you are going to help me escape. Listen closely. This will be a four-man operation. And we are going to need recruits. First, bring me a locksmith. A man whose fingers move in his sleep. He doesn't need brains. Just a particular set of talents. Have you seen this beggar with the monkey? This man shall be our pickpocket. We'll also need a woman, a lookout, someone trained from youth to see danger around every corner. And lastly, a man who cannot control his violent urges. Bring me a man familiar with chloroform. I don't expect loyalty, no. I expect criminals. Find them, bring them here. I need to introduce them to the family. Bring me my thieves, mon ami. Spare no expense. What's mine is yours. And Monaco is mine. So yes, let's talk about some marketing before we get on to some press coverage of Monaco. And the first thing that I was delighted with when I found this, when I was scouring the internet, was the devlogs for Monaco. Because these are on Andy Schatz's personal YouTube and they are slapdash as fuck. And I love them for that reason. Mm. There are five in total. The first one is from February 2010. And in it... Yeah, to try and paint a picture for those of you who obviously, I'd imagine is the majority of you who haven't seen him. It's Schatz walking through what I presume is his neighbourhood with a camera in his face because 2010. Although (laughs) no, there would have been the iPhone. Yeah, I suppose the iPhone. Maybe an iPhone. I don't know. Mm. And he talks about the game for about five minutes and there are no cuts. There are nothing. It's just him. Even a lot of it is him sort of figuring out what a devlog is. <laughs> and it's quite nice, really. I have a clip where he, he's trying to tell you, you know, about, about the heist aspect of the game. And he's using Ocean's Eleven as an example. So he's half in marketing mode, but then he gets a bit annoyed <laughs> with himself because he doesn't really like Ocean's Eleven all that much. Mm. Have a listen to Andy Schatz say that it's the, his game is sort of like Ocean's Eleven, even though he doesn't like Ocean's Eleven. The style of the game is based upon like the classic heist movies. So imagine like a, um, Heat or, or Ocean's Eleven or something. I really hate using the, the example of Ocean's Eleven. Thank you, loud people. Um, I really hate using the example of Ocean's Eleven because it's probably my least favorite Soderbergh movie. Um, Far inferior to the much better Crime Caper movie, Out of Sight, which I actually just watched again last night, Um, which, believe it or not, is an unbelievably good J-Lo movie. 
um, that's got some pretty steamy scenes between her and George Clooney in it. Um, and, uh, you know, all the stylistic stuff that Soderbergh's known for in, like, Ocean's Eleven and Traffic and stuff like that uh, is kept much more subtle and out of sight. He really just does some freeze-frame stuff to capture specific moments um, and sort of take the, the viewer out of time for a little bit. I forgot to mention <laughs> the lad who starts chainsawing his tree <laughs> Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's so good. I love the, just the, him just going off on a wild tangent about out of sight as well. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. It's just so nice. Do you, like, do you guys... I always think, like, I, I, I don't know if this could happen now. I, you know, when... Because this sort of seems like it's so rough in a in a really lovely way, in a really good way. And obviously, if you're like you know an in, an indie, if you're really indie, I'm sure you can <clears throat> you can maybe do stuff like this. But it sort of feels like people are a little bit more guarded now. Like when I think about the like the big indie hits these days, like I don't know, Vampire Survivors or Hollow Knight. Even then, it sort of seems like there's a bit of a veneer up in front of people you know people are just a little bit not letting their defenses down as much as uh, as much as Andy Schatz uh, and may- maybe for the for the poorer as well like it's mm. it feels of its time there's a kind of innocence to it I think mm-hmm. you guys think he could <laughs> like he can just kind of you know he can go on a tangent about out of sight and and I will say be wrong about the fact of it being better than Ocean's Eleven it's not uh, yeah he, he can say that whereas if, if this was being produced now perhaps it would be like oh god yeah. that's irrelevant I, I, I need to pull this back to the game and also I can't say this is like Ocean's Eleven and then say I don't like Ocean's Eleven yeah. <laughs> I like he draws a subtle distinction he doesn't say he doesn't like it he says it's his least favourite Soderbergh yes. movie what I found funny is that like when he goes on about the Ocean's movies, like I was like, really? Okay, you think that? But if you look at the Monaco artwork, like the box cover, whatever that you can see, it's honestly like identical to Ocean's 13's poster. Hmm. So like he, he definitely enjoys the Ocean's, but I think in his head, he's just like, he's obviously going, I want to have this more seriously taken though. Like, so, because it like, does mention heat, but like Monaco feels more like an oceans movie than a heat movie. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I do, I do really like, really enjoy his uh, his little vlogs. There's, there's so, there's something just, there's something charming about it. Like, you know, especially when he he sort of has a as a pop at, uh, I think I can't remember who it was, Microsoft, presumably, where he's just like, oh yeah, I have to do, I have to do a a vision meeting. Or, or or something like that. He like he like com- complains about having to email various people and have design vision meetings and stuff. He's like, I think he can't remember, <laughs> can't remember if he says it's bullsh- bullshit or not, but he just sort of alludes to the fact that it's nonsense, which I, made, made me smile a lot. As well. There was <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't take clips from all of them, but mm. there there was one in his second devlog as well, which he titled "Art and Mechanics," which was posted a month after uh, devlog one. I'm guessing he was initially planning it to be kind of once a month type of thing, but then they kind of, you know, slowed down. But again, it is Andy walking through his neighbourhood and this time talking about the mechanics of Monaco and stealth games. So have a listen to this. So when you're talking about the mechanics of Monaco, um, stealth games are all about what you can and can't see um, and dealing with the... uh, dealing with with 
what you know and what you don't know. Um, and um, what other characters know and what they don't know. In general, in a stealth game, um, your knowledge sort of mirrors the knowledge of your enemies. Um, and so it's a question of what you do with that knowledge and how you collect that knowledge that, uh, that determines how well you play the game. Um, you could also take a look, you could also look at it in terms of risk and reward. The more that you're willing to uh, risk revealing yourself in the environment, um, the more likely you are to be able to steal a whole bunch of stuff and then get out alive. Thanks very much as well to the Toyota Yaris who was driving <laughs> back and forth there. I know a stealth boom boom game is slightly different to a stealth game. But mm. it would have been handy to have Mr. Schatz for episode zero, wouldn't it? It took us, <laughs> what was it, 30, 35 minutes? He did it there in about 45 seconds. <laughs> so it's the difference between him and us, I guess. But yeah, just uh, an interesting insight into how the developer defines stealth, really. Mm. There was, I, I don't have a clip from it, but uh, I, I stuck it in our notes to have a watch of it just because I found it uh, very interesting. In his fifth devlog, which is called What Goes Into Having a Booth at PAX, which was posted like two and a bit years later. It was on the 4th of September, 2012. Mm. Uh, Schatz, he's, yeah, he's back walking his neighbourhood. Lovely neighbourhood, I should say, actually. It is. Where is it? Is it Los Angeles? It looked like sort of LA vibes. Oh, is it San Diego? You see, Josh, you shouldn't ask me questions that I don't have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's San Diego. It's somewhere. America. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he's, he's talking about what goes into having a booth at a trade show like PAX. Mm. And, like, he breaks down everything about, like, whether you rent TVs or you... Yeah, I found it, like, this part very interesting. Once again, it's quite... Uh, it's not humorous, but there's some... I think charm is the word I'd use again to describe it, because, as you said, there's so much depth he goes into... Uh, one part in particular that I really enjoyed is that, like, he talks about their merchandise that they had... And it's like a whole pay what you want kind of scheme that they got going. Now, I know there's quite a, uh, like, there's probably a few bands or something that like I might have played it who've done that as well and kind of like, you know, oh, just pay what you want for a t-shirt. It's all good. But it's how he mm. goes on about it, like with wanting the younger kids, like the fact he's acknowledging younger kids not having the money, but, you know, we want them to wear our shirt. And like, yeah. he's he's almost telling you, like, or telling us, like, how this works and he doesn't even have to go into that much depth, but he just goes, he could have just said, we kind of have our own merchant, like, you know, we just let people pay what they want. He could have just said that. But the fact he's thinking mm. and literally putting this much effort into the vlogs, I was kind of sitting there going, oh yeah, okay, fair enough. Like everything down to like the the cards and stuff. Like, and he, he mentions like, you know, you're at a stall at like PAX, you got your little boot, like, and he knows immediately. It's, it's very smart, to be honest, the way he's thinking of it. Like, you know, he's going to go on, I'll print these many cards and I know for sure that I won't lose out because they will be gone. I won't be landed with just a ton <laughs> of cards. Like, they will be gone. Pins, t-shirts, bits and bobs like that. So it's, um, it's interesting, like, you know, because it is a totally different, uh, like, part of it all, I'd imagine, you know, along with just designing the game and everything, like, you know, yeah. he, he's really thinking of every single aspect so uh yeah it was it was actually quite quite interesting i think that like that video was like also like 12 minutes long or something and i was just i was fully into it <laughs> so was i yeah the really whole good. way i just found it like totally fascinating to hear about the the square feet of the booth and how much oh we gave them a five five foot by ten foot little chunk of our one you know 
it's, it's fascinating and it's also nice for an in, for an indie uh developer um it, there's a sort of total indie development to it which which is really lovely hearing about well i've actually i'm doing a lot of stuff but I, i'm also the song and dance man like i'm also mm. doing all the pack stuff it's like well, you don't get that with kojima a bad example but you know it's just a really <laughs> lovely holistic like oh yeah it's it's the whole sausage you get to see he's talking about the whole sausage being made and it is nice totally not an awful lot in terms of trailers like you didn't get eight separate videos highlighting each class or a three minute primer about the story or anything like that you you just got this this short trailer that is super effective both in telling you how the game works where it's like it's a four man operation and like it's 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 um there's a narrator the people at home I don't really need to describe it because the people of home, at home will have already heard it but yeah it it's really effective at describing how uh, how the game works the how the classes work how you interact with the world you get 90 seconds of gameplay Bingo, bango, jobs are good. And it really kind of like, it's, it, it, it zooms in on the whole game in general. And I feel like it just pops immediately. Like, and like even, t- like even today, if you look at that trailer, if that game came out right now, brand new, no, no one heard it, and that was the trailer, you, everyone would still be interested. It just looks, it looks phenomenal, but we'll, we'll get into all that down the line. If I, if I was in charge, I would make it a law that, you're allowed one trailer for everything, so get it Just right. Everything, yeah. You can you can you can, have, you can have you can have one. None of this. Oh, it's teaser trailer one, trailer two, the mm. red band trailer, the Super Bowl trailer. It's like you can have one. You know, the bloody Ubisoft with all the. Cl- oh yeah, we'll have a trailer for every operator, and it's like I'm gonna. I'm tired of the game, and I haven't even put it in the fucking console yet. You know, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Venting over. <laughs> <laughs> On the coverage side of things, when it comes to previews and interviews and, and the lot, there's one preview I found from PAX. It might have even been the PAX that he was speaking about in that video. Posted on the 9th of April 2012 on Destructoid. I have a quote here from from their preview. The various ways to approach any given scenario in Monaco are what make this game so amazing. You need to analyse your situation with the class or classes you have with you and devise a strategy from there. Each time you play a level, you can clear it using completely different means. I guess rather than give away our opinions, I guess we, we will say whether we agree or disagree <laughs> with that uh, mm. when we talk about when we talk about it in a moment. Interview-wise, a lot of different interviews out there. I only picked out uh, two different ones. The first clip I have here is a, a clip from a short interview Andy Schatz did at PAX Prime 2012, where he spoke with Picky Net Network. In this little clip I have, I suppose, again, to talk about getting an insight into the game designer's mind versus, say, the player's mind. Schatz mentions a line which I'm going to talk about later on as well, but he mentions it's it, like, you know, elevator pitches, it's Pac-Man meets uh, Hitman. And he mentions that quite a lot. But this clip here sort of goes into a little bit more detail as to maybe why he kind of wanted to create this game or what this game is trying to evoke. So have a listen to this. It's, it's actually interesting. I, I think the original inspiration was that um, the mini-map in, in Hitman is far more informative about the game 
than looking at the game itself. And I always wanted to play Hitman simp- totally from the perspective of the minimap. That's lovely, that. And totally, like, when it comes to stealth games, you go, yeah. Like, you know, Metal Gear Solid, top right. <laughs> that's that's going to be telling you an yeah. awful lot more than what you're actually playing. I don't know if I completely agree with the Hitman one, because no vision cone. Like, you'd be, you'd be fucked if you just looked at the map while you were trying to, you know. But certainly Metal Gear, with the vision cones and that, and certain splinter cell games which we may or may not talk about on this podcast but yeah i like it (laughs) he did another interview with the now defunct rev 3 games on the 8th of april 2012 uh which yeah you can find on their youtube channel it's uh an interview he did during pax east 2012 what i'll play for you here is a clip where he mentions the pvp and kind of how the game is yes you know a stealth game, but also how manic it can be. So this clip is, the the first voice you're going to hear is Rev3's Anthony Carboni, and then the second voice is Andy Schatz of Pocket Watch. So take a listen to this. Tell me about, like, so there's co-op up to four people, right? Right, up to four people playing co-op. You can play same screen or over the network. Okay. There's also PvP arenas. So you Are can, there? Yeah, there's team and free-for-all PvP arenas. Um, so how does that work? Are you are you each trying to steal, like two crews trying to steal the same thing? It actually works like an old game I used to work on called Whacked on the original Xbox. Okay. Um, and that is that you're trying to pick up, you're trying to be the first person to 100 loot and then escape. You're trying to be that. Okay. But there's not enough loot in the, in the world at the beginning. So there's loot dropping into the world. Everyone's running around trying to pick it up. But if you shoot the other guys, they're dropping the loot that they're carrying. Very cool. So it's like, it's this crazy hectic, like... It's the most hectic stealth game you've ever played. Yeah, and it, it, it is super, super fast-paced. I would say that, like, even if you're not a fan of stealth, like, I would not let the word stealth oh, no, scare yeah. you off because yeah. there's a lot it of action like there. It plays like Gauntlet. It's it, basically Gauntlet. It does play yeah. a lot like Gauntlet. What I found interesting about that is he's trying to sell this basically to people who are terrified of the word stealth. Yeah. When they hear the word stealth mentioned, they're like, I'm out, no interest. Whereas here, yeah, he, he's going, you know... Oh, don't, don't worry. It's quite chaotic, and it and it it is chaotic, and we we are going to talk about that. Yeah, but you, is it? Yeah, is what you're saying fair enough? Do you think? I wonder. Like, if you don't like stealth, I don't know that you're going to like Monaco. But we'll get into it. Yes, indeed. So that is some of your your marketing and press coverage leading up to Monaco's release. So we're going to take a quick little break. Then we are going to come back to actually talk to you about what we thought of the game. So back in two ticks. Right, let's chat about what we thought of Monaco. What's yours as mine then? So this is the review section of the podcast where we talk about our thoughts on the stealth of the game, the boom boom of the game. Uh, we chat about the most noteworthy mission level or area of the game. We talk about the story and some miscellaneous bits as well. Just anything that we couldn't uh, hoover up elsewhere. Before that, however, I want to know, did any of you lads know what Monaco, what's yours is mine was before you played it for this podcast? Adam. Did you know what Monaco... Like, what, what's your history with Monaco, I should say? Uh, so, I did know of the game, uh, and I probably would have benefited you for this episode because uh, a bit of backstory here. When I worked in GameStop, we actually had 
the physical copy in there. So I should have bought that for you. Should have. For the back yep. of the box feature. So, so <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but I knew, I knew, I, I knew the game. I knew like how much praise it was getting and like I knew how it looked and stuff like that. Uh, I, I didn't really know at all at the time that it was like a lot of stealth mechanics. I just knew it was based around heists and stuff. And it looked pretty cool. But um, it was only until now, only until this delightful podcast that I got around to playing it. What about you, Josh? I know last week you'd said you weren't sure. You brought up Tropical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. What you kept saying, because you guys kept saying Monaco and... For whatever was going on in my my brain, I just thought it's that game with the Fidel Castro person on the front. <laughs> so, but no, when it when I then looked into Monaco, I I, I twigged and went, oh, it's that thing. And I had, uh, I wasn't playing games at the time that this game came out because of university, but uh, I remember it being, was it? I can't remember when the large... Do you remember the Summer of Arcade? Summer of Arcade, yeah. Oh, yeah, man, yeah. I used to love the Summer of Arcade so much. And I remember Monaco was like one of the last kind of big-ish ones. So obviously your braids and your limbos were like your superstar successes. And then there was stuff like Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which was also like a Summer of Arcade thing, I think. Um and this was like one of the last sort of, I guess you'd say like breakout successes that I, that I really remember. And I sort of think, oh yeah, it's the, it's the heist game with, but never played it. Did think, remember thinking, oh, that does actually look really, really cool. But yeah, just never got round to it. I did play it. I played it when it first came out mm. because I reviewed it. And I mentioned this two weeks ago. Uh, when we were on our uh, Ghost of a Tale episode, I reviewed it on Xbox 360. Uh, the the game, I will say, the game I played was a bit different to the one that we played because the game that we played now has enhanced mode. It has a zombie mode. Also, I because I played it on Xbox 360, I didn't have the Steam Workshop level. So there's like a level editor in there as well. The Just kind of a, a brief thing on like the differences uh, enhanced mode is a. I, it came in a couple of months after the initial release. I think it was like four or five months afterwards, and it was uh, pocket watches games of kind of filing down the edges of it a little bit, making certain things more clear. Basically, they kind of made the game a little bit shorter, really. Huh. And with that, yeah, they also added a, a zombie mode, as I say. But yes, I, I reviewed the 360 version and right, I knew I'd have to do this. I'm not going to subject you to all of my not terrific writing from a decade ago. I read it and it's good and I don't know what you mean. It's a good review. <laughs> oh, don't patronise me, Josh. Look, it's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. <laughs> my, my review was on godisgeek.com. You can, you can read it if you want. It was posted on the 14th of May, 2013, which uh, coincided with the 360 release. And here, I'll just give you my final paragraph. <clears throat> Monaco, what's yours is mine, is an easy game to pick up and a difficult one to put down. Christ, straight away. Anyway, in multiplayer, carefully planned <laughs> schemes diminishing 
into shotgun skirmishes are the norm and don't become a nuisance until the later, more lengthy stages. The downside of revisiting maps cannot be ignored and trudging back over levels numerous times to collect all the coins is a frustration that everyone could do without. However, with its witty presentation... Fuck me. And stylistic look, Pocket Watch Games' heist affair offers up a different kind of video game than the usual bread and butter. <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> Grab a few friends, boot up Monaco, what's yours is mine, and experience the mayhem. But I, I wanted to say that one thing in there uh, is also a difference to what we played. So I mentioned in that bit that like, oh, you have to go back and revisit maps and... Uh, collect all the coins so you did uh, and it was one of my biggest gripes uh, you had to quote unquote clean out levels to unlock other levels but that was nixed oh, in wow. the enhanced mode and when I say cleaning out levels for the people who haven't played cleaning out levels just means collecting every single coin in a level I'll talk about what the gameplay is in a second anyway it's not it, I mean I said it there it's not that much of a problem in the earlier stages but it, it becomes super difficult in the later stages and that really annoyed me. So when I played the enhanced mode for this time, I was like, oh, thank God. It's not there. That's, that's, that's a massive improvement. So, yes, as I said, for, some people won't have played it. So I'll, I'll break down how this game actually works. So as mentioned already, every level of Monaco, What's Yours is Mine is played from a top-down perspective. And it involves you trying to complete an objective in as quick a time as possible, whilst also collecting as many uh, shiny gold coins in each level as you can. That objective is typically go through a multi-story building to find and steal X number of objects and then escape. If you don't collect all of the shiny gold coins in a level, those coins that you don't collect, they're converted to time upon completion of level and then they inflate your finishing time on the leaderboards so rather than penalizing you and not unlocking other levels it just it increases your time on the leaderboards after a couple of levels you have access to the full eight playable character roster and as again i mentioned earlier each of them has their own unique abilities and this is where i will now tell you what they are so the locksmith can open locked doors quicker than other characters. The pickpocket has a lovely monkey that will automatically steal shiny gold coins that are close. The lookout can see the location and movement of enemies through walls. The cleaner is able to knock out uh, unsuspecting enemies. The mole is able to dig through walls so you don't have to use doors. You can just knock down walls. The gentleman puts on a disguise when they're hidden, which lets them bypass the guards for a bit. Just think Hitman. The hacker can hack outlets in a building that will then override security systems, rooms full of lasers, etc. And the redhead will charm one enemy at a time and then that enemy will open doors for her. In most levels, you can choose whatever character you want to be. And as I'm sure we'll talk about, you can play single player or four player co-op. So that is how Monaco works. Pretty much, I think. So let's talk about the stealth lads. And as I say, we'll get on to the boom boom. We'll get on to the story. We'll get on to the most noteworthy mission, etc., etc. But first of all, the stealth. And I wanted to mention, because I mentioned it earlier, the Hitman meets Pac-Man line. Mm-hmm. And it, it's an excellent line. And it's an, you know, it's an excellent, really pithy marketing line. 
Hitman meets Pac-Man, you go, oh, you know, interesting, because everything, it, mm. it needs to be blank meets blank, so that you can pull in people who know what blank and what, what X and Y are, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. However, this really is that. Mm. Each floor on each building is essentially a Pac-Man screen, complete with glowing gold dots that are pellets in Pac-Man. And then the Hitman mm. part is pretty obvious in that your goal is to complete each level as stealthily as possible. However, and like Hitman, shit can hit the fan very easily. And then, as we mentioned, it's absolutely manic, utter chaos. But brilliantly, mm. and again, like Hitman, you can reset everything by getting out of a guard's line of sight or to compare it to another game, like a Metal Gear Solid, if you move between floors slash screens, which yes, is cheesing it, but that also will reset things if you go up a floor and then you go back down. And when you have an army of lads chasing you with machine guns, that's quite welcome, to be honest. And <laughs> I, I know the two of you especially want to talk about like chasing and stuff like that. So I'll, we can talk about that in a minute. I won't get that into that now. But one thing that is different to Hitman that I wanted to mention is that this game doesn't penalize you for being spotted. Like the similarities between mm. Hitman, I think are very fair, but Hitman does penalize you for being seen when you get your score at the end of a mission. Mm. Uh, like, you know what I mean? You're, 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 you're penalized for being seen slash rewarded for completing a level without being seen. And Monaco doesn't do that. Like, you're, you're penalized in the moment in that a guard who's aware of you and has a shotgun is going to try their hardest to make sure you're dead within seconds, but you're not punished when it's time to dole out a score at the end of a mission. You get punished for not collecting, as you said, not collecting the gold coins in a level, but you're, you're not given any slap on the wrist for being spotted once, twice, 20 times you could be run, you could be t- t- treating it like a shooter which you probably won't last very long but you could if it's possible to do that and you'll be okay you, the game never says like oh go back again but I was going to close my point there what was I going to say oh yeah once you've been spotted you, c- you can try to calm everything down by hopping in a bush or an air vent when there's no guards around mm. and then that will calm the mm. lads that are, were chasing you and they'll return to their posts or patrol paths. And then once everything is cool, you hop back out of the bush of the air vent and you're back to trying to get through the level as quietly as you possibly can. And no doubt things are going to go south again and, you know, it's rinse and repeat. And I'll say it is an absolute delight. But Adam, I heard a couple of noises from you. You, you didn't agree with the Hitman Pac-Man line. Uh, it was actually, it's funny you uh, read my mind there, Colm. Uh, no, I do agree. Uh, the only thing I'd say is that it's it's actually, it sounded like the game is was more Pac-Man when you initially reviewed it, let's say, because if you're saying you had to collect all those coins, that's more Pac-Man. I think it, it still has the Pac-Man aspect right now, uh, but the, the fact is you're left off to not collect all the coins, it, because that is really what Pac-Man is, isn't it? You have to collect all those little dots and that's the story yep, there. Yeah. So I think the Pac-Man thing kind of slightly goes away uh, if you play Monaco today, I think. But, you know, the, the top-down view of it all is still intact. Um, but uh, I also want to just highlight also the other point you're making about not being punished for being caught. I have this, I have to agree. I think it's fantastic. I, I For some reason, I just always hate when they just put up at the end of a level you were shit. And that's just that. <laughs> like, you know, you got caught, you you made a hames of it all, giving you nothing. I just love that it's just, no, 
you just you got caught and you know if you get caught and killed that's more than enough it reminded you of a different game though Josh another you were talking about indie classics I guess it reminded you of something else it did yeah I um I guess I sort of I get the Hitman Pac-Man thing um totally it's got at least a passing resemblance to both of those things and maybe a little more than a passing resemblance but the thing it really got me thinking about was um Hotline Miami yeah because and actually were they the same year no Hotline Miami's 2011 off the top of my head okay okay fair play that's never that old is it hold on I'm gonna have to google oh, I that. thought it was 2012 Hotline Miami Hotline Miami was 2012 yeah okay one year before this well I just sort of thought um it's it's the stuff about the sight lines uh, and it's a re- it's a really interesting mechanic that Andy Schatz was talking about and it's it's that idea of you you can't you always need to be aware of what your enemies can see because um, you know when they see you they're going to kill you and in Hotline Miami they're going to kill you straight away um, whereas in this as you guys say it is a lot more forgiving you can run and hide and you can get back to normal but the the sort of meat of what you're doing minutes a minute really is checking the sight lines and i guess it ta- it takes it one f- one step further I, I would always get caught out in in hotline miami because it would always be the windows because it was never entirely clear on hotline miami what was glass like sometimes you couldn't quite tell that, that something was see-through and so a guard would see you from the other side of glass and you'd get absolutely battered but in this it's you actually can't see the world if your sight line is blocked off by like a pillar or you get little sort of it's almost like light coming through a keyhole when you when you look at look through a gap and it sort of illuminates that part of the map but it made me feel uh similar to similarly to hotline miami it's sort of, sort of like a more stealthy version of that um although actually there's an interesting little give and take because then in hotline miami 2 you've then got the idea of choosing all the different characters who all have different abilities, which is a little more like Monaco. So they sort of give and take from each other, really. But yeah, I, I did. Uh, that that was sort of what it made me think of more than anything else, really. Yeah, it, it's uh, like the way vision works in it, I thought is is shown wonderfully in the game and how, mm. well, like what your character, whilst you can see everything, because it's from a top-down view, you know, and you, you, in theory, should be able to see everything. If your character is behind a pillar, uh, that is blocking you, the player, that is blocking your vision as well. Mm. It's depicted so well on screen. Mm. And like, I, I was going to talk about this sort of blueprint motif, but I, I'll talk about that in a second because like, we mentioned this a, a, a little bit, uh, or you mentioned it just there, Josh, like the variety in characters. And it's something that you wanted to talk about, Adam. Yeah, yeah. How different these characters are and figuring out what works for you. It's amazing because I think starting off, Monaco, like with the whole, the entire vision cone situation, right? I was pretty much thrown off kind of because I guess it's kind of hard to explain. But every time you move, it's almost like there there's these beams of light that kind of start going around you and they're they're kind of laying out the the area slightly but I was when you're when you're playing the game and you're looking at it and you're watching everything going on I was just like oh Jesus it's very distracting watching all these like things just kind of go around the screen kind of but it, it does take a bit of getting used to now you can get one of the characters it's called like the lookout character which like it kind of expands upon that and makes it a lot easier to see the enemies I guess because if you don't use the lookout character you're not really seeing the enemies unless you walk into like 
the room or the beam of light is actually after hitting them and stuff and that's yeah. kind of the way it's working out but once 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 I get got used to the whole like vision kind of side of it it's the opening of every character then like deciding like okay the look goes there and I was like alright the look goes like, that's great now I was in my head going this will this will be the one using her was like really handy but then once I started kind of going I'll try out the mole and the mole lets you pretty much go through any part of the map or the, the, the level that you can just <laughs> dig a hole through it but it's yeah, there's so there's actually thinking of it now there's so much detail put into and so much thought put into every single character like because if you use the mole you you can go through like any wall and stuff like that and just kind of you feel like you'll cheese your way through the game a bit easier but what happens is if there's any enemy that sees the path that you're after making they'll start investigating it and stuff and come in and well, I remember when I was like, oh, the mole, this is going to be the job. I'm going to get through this. No bother. And then there was one fella following me. Pat. I was like, hey, I goes, what's going on here? It's like, oh, Jesus. And you you start kind of panicking. And then you can try out, like, obviously the 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 pickpocket, which has the, the, the monkeys, you said, and gets all the coins easier and stuff like that. There's just an abundance of these characters. Locksmith said opens doors quicker, which is definitely handy. The hackers there. Um, there's just such a variety of characters to play with and the replay value is insane on that alone never mind like just like now we'll talk about don't later on like but you know like i played a fair chunk of this game like by myself and there's something to be said about that because i do think with all these characters playing this game multiplayer is where the game truly shines i think um but yeah, there's a there's a lot of great stuff to be said about the cast of characters in the game. I, I don't feel like there was any any character in particular that I went, ah, oh, I'd never use this character for anything really. Like there's I, I felt like every one of them had a purpose. I, I suppose there there are still uh some issues you run into. I know you had certain issues, Joss. Were were they with the characters? Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I mean the characters were, were phenomenal and they weren't specific uh, character issues my my I, and actually i found some ways to kind of alleviate some of my uh, trouble but um i sort of felt that i was quite frustrated um especially sort of early on in the game and it, and it did give way and i and it did sort of click and i kind of you know found the fun of it but i found early on the idea of of blocking the sight lines i mean it looks absolutely nuts the first time you play it and you you really sort of got to get your head around or i have to because yeah. i'm a, a bit a bit of a fool sometimes but i sort of thought hey wait whoa hang on what like you know it looks like constant like a light from a car through your bedroom window yeah. or something where yeah. it just sort of flicks across the room and you just think oh i see my character can't see that so it's and i it's really interesting uh, as a design decision, and I, and I really love the the kind of the idea of it. That that you know, oh well, you know, it's it's kind of like a in a weird way. It could be could, you could or you could almost consider it to be like a second person game. Like it is third person, but you can only see what your character sees. It's like a weird cross between like first and third person. Fascinating mm-hmm. stuff. Mm. Little bit stressful and like. A friend of mine was watching me play and was just like, what the fuck is going on in this game? I, th- th- that screen, is there so much noise going on that screen? <laughs> I was like, yeah, there, there really is. And it do- it does click, you know, you, you, you play it for a while. You, you, I, and I did say, yeah, yeah, you, you sort of get, 
it imprints itself on your brain. But I did find it a little bit frustrating. Um, it did, it did, it did sort of lead to a, uh, a little bit of trial and error, but, um, there's a bedding in period. And then I think you start to, you start to enjoy, uh, you, you do start to enjoy it, but yeah, a very much a kind of like, Oh God, you know, load and load and load of stuff on the screen. And I have to sort of pass the noise a little bit and kind of, you know, get through it, which I did. Mm. There are trial and error issues. And some of it is, I, I echo a lot of what you said about the characters and I, I love the, the variation in them. And, f- you know, seeing which ones you prefer, seeing which ones work uh, work in certain scenarios, like one you didn't mention that I use quite a lot was the gentleman, loved them as mm. well, and how they would put, put on different disguises. Mm. But yeah, some scenario, like some levels suit the hacker, just f- as an example. Some oh, levels outrageous, su- suit yeah. the hacker better because the, a certain level might have a ton of different rooms where there are, yeah, rooms full of lasers. And the mm-hmm. hacker then would be able to bypass those security systems or some levels are, you know, you have a lot of enemies that you can reach fairly easily. And maybe the cleaner then would be better there because with the cleaner, you just walk in, walk into them and you knock them out. I, sh- I should say just like kind of a little sidebar to this. The majority of this game, whether you're playing it WASDA or on analog, it is that's it. That's how you interact with this game is you walk hmm. into stuff. And I think it is hmm. beautifully simplistic. There are other little, you know, it's a different button to like shoot and whatever else, but like yeah. it's f- lovely in its simplicity, but another trial and error aspect, but I would say I, I, I fall into the, the section where I, I enjoy it a bit more is just hmm. the, the blueprint motif of the game. <laughs> because when you begin any stage, you can see what's, what's in the room you are in. And mm. that's it. That's all you can see on the map. Then mm. you open a door and you might have the general layout of the area you're in or that, that room. And it's all in a blueprint style. So like, say you're looking at the plans of a house and you're, you're in this house and you're on the left side of the map or the house. So you could see the general grayed out area of the master bedroom, the adjoining ensuite and the kitchen, all of which are marked with like on-screen text, right? Once you've kind of un- uh, uncovered them. But then over on the right side of the map, there's a big shadowy bit, which you presume has a living room and a bedroom and you never guess we're having lots of conversations about mortgages in this house, would you? <laughs> but basically, it's that, like that kind of blueprint style lends itself so well to the heist criminal tone. Mm. Just the, the, the blueprints laid out in front of you and you trying to figure out, right, I, I know I need to get over there, but I'm not sure how I'm to get over there yet. So hmm. the game wants you to uncover areas of the map. So you you are essentially starting missions blind, and the only way to uncover areas of the map is by opening doors and walking about the place and kind of mm. seeing them. And I can I can understand why that would bother some people, uh, but I think it's mm. leniency. The game's leniency in other aspects does help that you know, like if it was more because you don't know if you're, you're going to open a door and there might be a guard there. You don't really know until yeah. you've opened that door. <laughs> But, but the thrill of uncovering parts of the map, it overcomes that. Do you know? Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I loved it. I, I, I mm. thought it looked fantastic. It did. It really did. Yeah. And there's always something to be said when like 
the artwork of something really works with what a game's doing thematically. I love that. It sort of really, really ties together that idea of planning the heist and all that sort of stuff. And it is just, I don't think I've ever seen it done really. It's how do we do the thing that happens when stuff is 3D, but put it top down and then take away the player's advantage that the player normally has when it's top down. It is a fascinating Mm. thing. Uh, If it's been done elsewhere, I've genuinely never come across it i do yeah i and I, I yeah i agree it is that that idea of oh what's in there just a little dark spot on the map there is a little thrill to it for sure one thing you've written down in this document that we're all reading uh looking at here josh it needs some sort of quick restart doesn't it oh yeah 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 but you guys were sort of saying earlier and i take your point like it is a game where if you fuck it number one it's kind of fun because you've got the music which we could talk about in a little bit, but there is that art of, oh, the Jenga tower's falling down and I kind of am having fun while it's falling down, but ultimately I want to be a stealth badass, so I'm going to restart this, right? Um, You can recover your sort of lost, if you fuck it, by, you know, changing floors and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But I'm a real pernickety stealth idiot and when I screw up, I'd love a quick... Re- a couple of times, if I screwed up early on, I just quit out to the menu and then go back in again. <laughs> it was like the the Hotline Miami frustration made me really cry out for that Hotline Miami press X and you're instantly back into mm-hmm. it. Whereas this is much more, no, we really want you to sort of recover your run through, go and hide in a bush and, go, you know, go and do this, 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 and that, which is fair, which is fair enough, but... I would kill for a quick restart on all sorts of games, actually, but this one particularly. So that is what we thought of the stealth of Monaco, What's Yours Is Mine. So let's take a quick break and then we'll be back back to talk (laughs) about the boom boom. Right, let's talk about the shooty shooty bang bang boom booms of Monaco, What's Yours Is Mine. Often, I mentioned this on our Ghost of a Tale episode, the how is the boom boom part of Stealth Boom Boom often is kind of just how are the other aspects of the gameplay yeah. a lot of the time. But there is, for uh, a heist game where stealth is so important, there is a bit of boom boom in here as well. Adam, why don't you start us off and please wax lyrical about shotguns, if you like, because they're brilliant. Talk about kind <laughs> yeah. of the items that you're able to pick up as uh, on your, your missions. So, yeah, so the game ends up like uh, giving you the option of like choosing almost like a load of the start level. There's little boxes you walk up to and you just, it makes this lovely like reload sound and you have a shotgun uh, or you get a crossbow, which I, I'm I'm pretty certain, unless you guys can tell me, like, I'm, I'm pretty certain that the crossbows are all, like, sleeper darts, are they? Yeah, they are. They're yeah. just, like, tranquilizer kind of things, yeah. Yes, yeah, the cro- crossbow is silent. Um, the shotguns are not silent, <laughs> and they do absolutely <laughs> lethal damage, and that's that. Um, but, you like, the whole side of it is, for every 10 coins you pick up, you get, like, ammo basically again then that's kind of mm-hmm. how you you keep your yourself locked and loaded i guess um and like do you know what it's 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 definitely handy to have that shotgun when stuff goes sour and you just blow them to smithereens especially when you can get a, a line of them in a row 
Um, oh. uh, really entertaining. And the the, the actual cro- the cro- the crossbow the crossbow itself is actually I used that quite a bit when I had the option to get one. I was like, oh yes, because I found that like quite satisfying just to use all the time. Um, but mm. like for me anyway, it, it like this game is 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 stealth through and through. Like even though you can use a shotgun. You don't really, you don't ever have the option to just go mental for an entire level unless you plan on just going around <laughs> and getting all the, uh, the coins to constantly have ammo. You don't really have the option. And even if you do play it that way, it's, it's rubbish. It's, it's, it's nowhere near as fun. It, it's, it's, it's more just fun mm. when you have to use it on a panic situation. I do, however, have to also say that I love that this game doesn't give you the option of like, pick your loadout. I love the way it's just, this is all you're getting. This is all you have, you're getting from us here. Mm. There's none of this like, variety of stuff that you have to use and plan because there's enough in it already with picking your character. So like, the weapons and the action that's in play for me, personally, I think it was spot on. Like, I, I wouldn't want any more or any less. I think it was a, a chef's kiss choice of, um, uh, quantity of like action for me or in boom boom in general yeah each level has these little as you said these little kind of weapon boxes um purposefully placed in different areas and it's you know in, in certain levels you will have access to a shotgun but you mightn't you might only have access to a smoke bomb or a bandage or an emp thing but there's there's quite a lot like there's about eight or nine uh, mm. different different things available but, I mean, yeah, I don't know about you, Josh, but, but they are shotguns. Oh. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh. Yeah, I'm also a big fan of, like, uh, dudes just turning into shot to skeletons straight away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's good stuff. It doesn't really make sense, but it, but it makes perfect sense at the same time. Uh, they actually, like, when they get shot, it kept reminding me of, like, the first ever Grand Theft Auto. Like, that's the exact same kind <laughs> of, like thing that they do like but uh, yeah the skin things are it is excellent. good also the machine uh, machine gun deserves a little shout out because you just you trigger it once and you just get a ridiculous burst and if some if they're standing in a line you can just mow down like to, that well yeah we'll get to that because i think adam actually chose the specific level but you know murder on the dance floor comes to mind you know? yes uh, indeed inspired i believe by the sophie ellis bexter <laughs> 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 Very, very good shotguns. Uh, big fan of a shotgun in games generally. But yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like, sort of don't want the boom boom. Don't don't like the boom boom. When, when it ha- every now and again, like if I screwed the level up, I'd shoot some guards just out of anger and it was very satisfying. But on the whole, didn't really want it. And I think that's a good mm. thing. I mean, I know this is called stealth boom boom. When we evaluate the stealth and we evaluate the boom boom. But... I'd always take the stealth. Uh, you would also always take the mole, though, wouldn't you? As <laughs> maybe the most chaotic, chaotic of the characters. Probably the mo- yeah, the mole's bonkers. I I also I got a soft spot for the um for the cleaner, just going through and just absolutely knocking everyone out. But yeah, the mole hmm. is ridiculous. You just smash through any. What I mean, it's yeah. You it's you just run up to any surface and you trigger it the way you trigger anything as you just sort of walk into it. Uh, and much as much as anyone else uses the lockpick or hacks a computer, it, I think he's just got a sledgehammer <laughs> and he just sort of crashes his way through. Which 
I mean, that is, it, it's quite mad, the, the different powers that the different characters have. And the mole sort of exemplified that for me. It's like they're willing to just completely upend. They've got these really ingeniously designed levels. And then they're just like, mm. you can absolutely crack the back of this level and turn it inside out if you want either and you can do that and you can you can also sort of do that with the hacker as well it's ridiculous how if you're in a sort mm. of tech heavy situation but yeah the mole for me it was just you can just go as the crow flies through a level if you want to just keep smashing through any wall that gets in your way uh, i had great fun with it but yeah yeah i think the mole was probably my favorite. i also know that both you josh and you adam you just you just like getting chased? Is that right? Just enjoy Mighty crack. Just getting chased by lads with guns. Very weird kink, but you know, whatever you're into. It's an odd an odd little kink, but yeah, it's um it is a bit of a rush. Yeah. Well, cause because of the music, right? I mean Adam makes this point. It's it wouldn't be what it is without the music. Which which is like weird. Like when you would I don't want to kind of go off on a tangent about the music, but because the music's good, <laughs> but it it's almost like it should be in like a Wild West game in a saloon or something. It's like a really weird, it doesn't really suit being in, in Monaco. And it was a really weird, but anyway, yeah, when, when you were getting chased, that was, that was a rush for sure. So like, I, I, I think, I personally think the music does work very well and because there, I think like I don't know what this says about me and my style of playing this game in general but for some reason every single time uh, that I played this game and my wife walked into the room the music was kicking off which <laughs> means I was getting chased and she turned and went what are you playing it sounds like the most insanely frantic game like ever and I was like yeah it's it's kind of mental right now only what I'm doing but like like there's one thing I have to point out here and um, there's a lot of people who would play this game and I think like when getting chased having to use weapons to get out of that situation there's one thing I have to point out here there are people who are strictly keyboard and mouse people and I get it I understand Uh, I played this game on keyboard and mouse and had an insanely difficult time the further I got into it I just thought like it was it's just it just for me look lads you can correct me if I'm wrong but I just think this game is designed for a controller from start to finish, really. I just think there is, you need that level of control. So I ended up like jumping away from the PC version to play the, the Switch version. And once I did that, I was like, oh, Jesus, this is, this is way, way, way handier for all. For, it's because like those levels do get way more intense. Now, there is a mode that we'll talk about in a second. And especially for that mode, I was just like, I'm so glad I moved away because the mouse and keyboard. Yeah, it just it just doesn't cut it for me at all. Like, there's probably people who can do it no bother, but it just doesn't feel feel right. In, mm. Especially, especially just especially with the with the action side of it, it just got too much for me. Well, talking about the action, and you mentioned there was another mode as well. Why not? Let, let's chat about it. Zonico, your flesh is mine. <laughs> I, I, I really like a silly zombie mode. And that's exactly what this is. And I, I mentioned this a while ago when saying like when I first played it, this wasn't in the game. It's just yeah. uh, all, all of the levels, all the levels are there, like any levels that you have unlocked in your main game, except the, and we're going to talk about the story in a while. When you start a level, 
all of the dialogue is just replaced with blah, blah, blah. That, that's nice. genius. That. It's fantastic. <laughs> and then you play it and it's just, there's a yellow hue over it and they're like, every enemy is a zombie. Every enemy is now just going to hmm. absolutely go for you hell for leather. And it, it changes. It, it, it certainly becomes all out. Well, no, I shouldn't say all out boom, boom, because there is still... Uh, uh, there is still still elements of stealth there, but you know it's it's a lot more mm. boom boom than uh, than the main game. I I just as a, as a little aside, I enjoyed. This it. is where I felt like getting chased was the best fun, like in this particular mode, because there's a bit more just aggression and speed off of the zombies in it. So it was just kind of like if I got caught, I was like, oh Jesus, and you're you just have to go. Like you know, I feel like when you're playing the nor- just the normal story mode game, like it. There's a couple of uh, enemies in it who stay on you all right and they absolutely annihilate you. For, but for the most part, a lot of the the, the, the enemies are a bit, a bit stupid. They're kind of like walking around the place and you can get rid of them quickly. The zombie mode, I just think it's, it's one of those things that it didn't probably need to be added. But I think it's just, it's one of those games that just kept adding this content for the fans. And it, it's, I think it's something that a lot of like, the hardcore kind of players would thoroughly enjoy. It does offer a bit more of a hardcore experience. And uh, yeah, I had a good time. I wouldn't really want the whole game to be played that way, if I'm honest. Um, that's basically what, what we thought of the boom, boom. So let's talk now about the, the mission or, or level, I guess, in Monaco that stood out to each of us. Not, not necessarily the one we liked the most or disliked the most. Just, you know, it's up to you. Whatever one stood out to you. So. Josh, why don't you start us off? What what level was was the one that you know for for whatever reason you you enjoyed or it, it made an impression on you? Yeah, I well, I was I came really really close to picking the mansion Mouchardere because it made me laugh because it it was just like a word that was like much harder and it was like the hardest level up to that point. But I ended up going with the Centre Hospitalier. Uh, which is the hospital level, as the locksmith. And the premise of the level is that you have to go in and recover something, uh, a a patient in the hospital, and then you have to escape. So it's quite simple. And the reason I liked it was because, well, yeah, I chose it because I liked it. It turned what you'd kind of been doing up to that point on its head a little bit. I love stuff that takes... Um, an idea um, that's, a, that's a, a real sort of trope or a real genre idea, like a heist, for example, and does something different with it. And you sort of, so Inception would be a really good uh, uh, like example of that. If when you say to someone, oh yeah, it's a heist movie, you sort of think, oh yeah, yeah, I guess it kind of is, but you sort of don't realise it's a heist movie because it's all about dreams and stuff. But like this sort of reminded me of that. It's like, oh, it's a level in a hospital Oh, okay. That's going to be like that, 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 that's sort of different. And as I was going through, it sort of took me a little while, uh, <laughs> finding this patient and then getting, uh, getting to the exit point, which is brilliant in itself. So I sort of thought that is what I've been doing already. Like that is what this game is. And in a str- in a funny way, like that was a heist. I was just recovering a patient from a hospital. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of, uh, 
snuck that one by me a little bit. Again, maybe I'm a little bit slow on the uptake, but you, you sort of the getaway at the end is brilliant because you you have this this uh, this thing that you're after, and you have to get to the roof. You have to use the helipad on the roof of the hospital for an escape. And I'm a big sucker. A, a lot of the levels in Monaco, most of the levels, I think, um, it involves. Uh, a fair bit of backtracking. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Like what once, once mm. you're finished with, uh, whatever your objective is, find something, whatever. Um, you then have to get to the exit and lots of the time your exit is either where you entered the level as well. So you have to go back through everything you've, you've just done, uh, which is okay sometimes cause you, you can have to creep around. But, uh, the center hospitalier was, was excellent. I felt because it was, it was brand new all the way through. It sort of taps, it taps back into what Cullen was saying earlier with it's that sense of discovery. You, you, you're in on the ground and each floor you work up is, is fresher and fresher. And I think the person you're looking for is in the, in the, in the psych ward of the hospital. So you're constantly discovering as you're going. Um, there's there's no sense of retracing your steps. And then that sort of lovely rush of like, one of the few button functions in the game is when you press X or A or whatever, and it tells you your objective. And I'd often sort of be floundering around and remember to check that screen. It just says escape. And there was a lovely little moment where I just kind of suddenly realized, oh, I don't have to go back because it's telling me about the, I just saw a sign that said helipad room roof and I thought no way and I've got there and just that moment of triumph when there was no one around just a little cheeky helicopter getaway I think it's the only one of that kind there's a boat one as well but anyway it was that it stuck in my mind because it was just a nice inversion of what we'd been doing sort of mechanically but also stylistically that idea of the hospital just a little nice little twist for me. What about you, Adam? What was the the level that stuck out to you? It was definitely uh, the locksmith level discotheque rouge. And I'll be honest, lads, um, I hate going to nightclubs in real life. But my <laughs> word, do I love going to them in video games? Um, like the second the second this started, I was just like, oh, brilliant! Like I think, like if I come back, there's Hitman has a nightclub level. I think the first Watch Dogs does. Vice City, even of recent Sifu. There's something about nightclubs in video games that I absolutely love. And in this particular mission, you have to um, rescue the the redhead. Well, not rescue, but you basically have to just get the redhead character. And this is the first time you're going to meet her. And the going the whole way through it has all this music. It has all these characters going around the place and stuff. And there's just a lot going on. There's always tons to see in these kinds of environments. And there's just, there's fun dialogue that happens in and out of some of the missions as well that we haven't really touched upon. There's, a, there's one character in particular who goes on about emails to his mother and father and stuff. And it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, these kind of things are happening as well in, in this level. But it's when... There's there's, a, there's so much fun in the level, this level alone, that when you get to the redhead, then you're like, all right, cool. And then you get the redhead and realize what her abilities are. And I thought it was so funny. Like, you end up just, her, she's two abilities. One of them is, her main one is, um, she just attracts any single NPC. They, they end up getting these little love hearts over their head and they open up every door that she walks up to. And it's, it's really funny. It's really charming because she's obviously 
this beautiful person and they're just just over the moon with her and then like her second ability I think is that like she can revive your teammates I think like th- in three seconds as opposed to six seconds I think that's something like that um so but it's just the entire level is brilliant and it was definitely at that point where I was just like oh like I was getting so into the, all the characters and its story in general and uh uh, yeah, as I said, it was just it was just once it's a nightclub setting, I am so up, but I just thought the redhead thing was very funny. And I actually l- loved using her quite a bit later on in other missions because it, it, there's just something like that detail of the love hearts. I just kept laughing at it. Excellent level. <laughs> um, and it was it was coming to an excellent point of the storytelling in general as well that we'll get to later on. The level I was going to talk about was again in the locksmith campaign, and that's the scorpion and the frog. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because it is, to my memory, one of the earlier examples of Mono, Monaco's intricacies within its maps. So when you start mm. this level, everything is on fire because uh, your previous mission is to get on a boat and the scorpion and the frog mission, you are trying to escape said boat because someone has set off explosives. In the locksmith campaign, it's David. In the pickpockets, it is the mole. Either way, boat is on fire. Um, and there's this marvellous carrot dangling thing that uh, Pocket Watch do with this stage, right? So each floor of the map is split into two parts. The thing is you can't just walk from one side of the map to the other, right? The left side and the right side are independent of each other. Like you start on the left side of the map on the street level and then you have to go down to the docks level and then down to sea, the sea level and then you have to begin your climb on the right side of the map from sea level to docks to street level and then you can escape. Hmm. Like that's the way, this is actually a, a mission where they're where you don't have to collect something first and then escape. You are just taught, like the boat has exploded. It's like, get off don't waste time just get the hell out of here and again I I love the chaos of it because I'm pretty sure the dogs are only introduced in the previous level and maybe vents as well so there are uh, uh, fresh advantages and disadvantages for you to wrap your head around and on top of that as well maybe for the first time I want to say a helicopter is flying overhead and you have to avoid its searchlight Yes. Uh, all while again, everything is literally on fire. Um, <laughs> a- another thing I love is that that journey of going down to go up, and how you can see where you need to be, like from 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 the from the moment go, like you can see where you need to be at the end, but you just mm. can't reach it. And that's Monaco, like in in a nutshell. In other mm, levels, yeah. you can see the outline of loot that you need to collect, but you know you can't reach it before you duck and dive around all the gars that are around you and again it, it, it's a carrot dangling thing and I think it's executed so well <laughs> and it's an example of how Pocket Watch remixes levels like it, it's not exactly the same as the previous level but there are sections you're going through in the Scorpion and the Frog that are just, just, just decimated now and previously in the level before it it was just quite a pleasant ship deck you know? Yeah, it was the yacht, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and again, you know, they do that in the, the different campaigns, obviously, they, they remix things, but even just within itself, mm. it is. And it, it just stood out to me massively as, yeah, one of the, the earlier examples of like, oh, 
okay. All right. I, I, mm. I see what you're doing here and doing it very, very successfully. So yeah. Very well. Really yeah, enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, so yeah, that is what we thought of the boom, boom. That is uh, the most noteworthy levels stood out to us. So we are going to take a quick break and then we are going to come back to talk about something we have been alluding to throughout, and that is the story of Monaco, What's Yours is Mine. All right, then. Let's chat about the tale that is weaved, the twisty-turny tale of Monaco, What's Yours is Mine. The ghost of a tale. (laughs) (laughs) Were Were you happy with the name of this one, Josh? This one's a better name, although it, tr- Tropico is better, but Monaco will do. <laughs> also, what was it reminded me of that. Do you remember that Scarface game? Oh, yeah, yeah. The world is yours or something, isn't it? The world is yours. That's right. And this is what's yours is mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a weird little echo in my head. I was like, wasn't that the subtitle of that Scarface game? No. Adam, why, why don't you start us off? I mean, I broke down what the, the, the beats of the story were. And how, yeah, how, how the different campaigns and, you know, the the interviews of all the different characters. But yeah, what what did you think of it? Yeah, I thought the story was excellent. Um, I, I, I thought it was really, really, really good. Um, like, it's kind of, there's so much to it that, like, I didn't expect. Like, there's a fair amount of detail, a fair amount of twists and turns. I think it really shows how much, like, the developer loves the heist movies that he mentions and stuff like that. Um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the the way it was told through the perspective of the locksmith and the pickpocket in particular. Um, and then it also added, now, I, like, I don't know, as I said, I don't know when this was put in, but they, add, they, they added in the origins of each character, which is, I, I, I think quickly you touch upon it, like, it, it's, it does this thing where you go around and you pick up loot and stuff, but you will get caught in each single one of the the stories. Like that is just a given. You don't mm-hmm. escape, you get caught, even though you're escaping for every other mission. Um, but there's something to be said. No, I don't really want to jump on one of your notes, Colin, but it is something that I do want to mention as well is uh, the layout of the missions, right? Because... Even though I'm saying, like, I love the way it's told from the perspective of the locksmith and the pickpocket, I have to say, like, there there was points where I was slightly confused in what order to go, even though you have to beat each level as it goes on. I think it's like when you start, you, you will always start at the locksmith, and I think it's like level three or four. There's a little, like, drop down kind of line that links onto the pickpocket. And in my mind, I was like, oh, am I supposed to go here right now? And or do I just can because you can just drive on with the 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 locksmith character, but like I was like, oh, I'll drop down here. But there's there's also then this there's quite a jump in difficulty that hits when you yeah. go to the the pickpocket. So there was kind of like I was a bit like Jesus Christ, I don't know, am I doing this correctly or what's happening? So I ended up going back then to the locksmith, taking in the story. And I know it sounds like I'm doing this completely arseways, but you know, like I drove on with the locksmith story. Then I felt I was getting, I was missing out on some information I felt. So I was like, do I do the origins? 
no or something like that so I jumped down to Dion <laughs> and I go no the, the origins isn't now right. so I do feel that like even though it's story is very full on in terms of like the twists and turns. Something has to be said that one of the biggest problems was how was I meant to play. In this section of the game where you're choosing what missions to play, there's like a line of, this is from the locksmith's interview and every level, this is from the pickpockets interview. And then the two separate free DLC um, ones that were also added, uh, the origins and Finn, which is a kind of an epilogue type of one. Um, and I, I do think that the game would probably benefit from a, an authored ordering. Now, it, you run into issues there because, like, I, I, I don't know what the perfect solution is because, yes, the locksmith's missions are more difficult. Yeah. Do you know, they're just kind of more, I suppose their story is more bombastic, so there are more enemies or there are more threats, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it's, it's a difficult one. You couldn't just go one locksmith, one pickpocket, one locksmith, one pickpocket, because the <laughs> difference in difficulty would be so... Uh, uh, so stark that it would like you know it would probably dissuade players from playing on so I don't mm. really know what the solution is after finishing because I got my head around it eventually you know of the story and I do think the story is 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 excellent I think it's a it's a really really fun story but like as I said if you're playing like say uh, if you're playing the first set of missions like um with the locksmith like you gotta take into account like the locksmith because there's no there's no like like full on animated cutscenes throughout this game. It's just like, it's the same thing you see all the time. It's just the shadows almost of the characters talking in the same area. And that's it. And, and like, all, yes, it's, it's all on screen text. And sometimes e- even though you're playing on you're playing the locksmith story, who's getting, who's telling his whole situation, this particular mission and this conversation might be happening between, I'm not saying this is exactly it, but it could be happening between uh, the lookout and the gentleman. So as you're playing, you're kind of going, oh, the, who's, so the lads are talking here, you know, what they're, so there's a lot of having to like pay attention and just kind of go your own way, I guess. Like if you kind of go, all right, they're dropping a lot of stuff here. Maybe then just go over then and do like the pickpocket missions and kind of get yourself up to speed. But I did, did look into it afterwards and like, there was a couple of people said that like, it's good to play like the locksmith, then jump into Origins and then go to Pickpocket. Oh, interesting. Apparently people say that is, is, is a good way of going about it. Um, but like, it's, it, it still, it still presents a fantastic story in my opinion. It just, it just requires a little bit more. It's not as straightforward as you think. It's just really fun. Do you know, it's, it's all double crosses. Whether it is the end of the pickpockets uh, story where they double cross Inspector Voltaire and escape the prison, yeah. or whether it's the end of the locksmith story and how the gentleman, the redhead, the hacker, and the mole double cross the original four of the locksmith, the pickpocket, the mm. lookout, and the cleaner, knock them out and leave them for dead. Essentially, it's it's just because uh, even in the locksmith story, where there, there's a few missions where. It's like, oh, then we robbed this and then we robbed that. And, they, and I, even as I was playing it uh, this time, because I, 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 I didn't remember every detail and I was playing it this time, I was like, God, there's, there's a lot of like what, what feels to be like kind of overinflation here. Like, yeah. not really, we, we've, we've, fat, we've fattened it up for kind of no reason. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm happy for more levels. That's cool. But it's then when you play the locksmith's version 
of those levels that, you know, oh, we were planting evidence there to, to frame, you know, to frame David and to frame others. So that's mm. why we went to those places. You go, okay, right. And that's why, like, in the end, I, what I generally did was, yeah, I just went through the locksmith and then went through uh, the locksmith interview and then went through the pickpockets. Mm. Uh, but in saying that, I don't know what the solution is really, but I, I think it probably yeah. could be laid out a little bit better. I don't like, what did you think, Josh? And what did I suppose? Yeah. What did you think of the, the story overall and how it was told? Yeah, that's, I did exactly the same as you did. I, in fact, I, it hadn't really occurred to me uh, the jumping th- th- then jumping back and forth going going to the origin one that yeah and you're right i think the problem there is difficulty isn't it because i did i did flit at one point when because you start out with the um the locksmith and then the pickpockets the second one and i did sort of say oh the, you know, the one down there is uh, you know the first one of the pickpockets open hopped into that one uh and at that that was quite early on and i was just absolutely battered by the difficulty of it so i thought right okay back to the locksmith i go um I thought the, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I, I, I didn't, I, I can't, um, I think you guys seem quite a bit more absorbed but, uh, in it than I was maybe. Not that I think it was bad at all. I, I suppose that perhaps it's just, uh, I let a lot of it wash over me. I was far more, I, for me, I was far more interested in, uh, what they were doing with sort of like movie references and stuff. So rather than the, the story at hand, I kept thinking of, um, you know, what they were doing in sort of film terms. And I thought, I guess, but maybe I, it's almost like I looked at the whole thing in quote marks anyway. I didn't really ever treat the story as like a, I, I, ne- I could never take it at face value because it didn't really seem to have one face. And that's, kind of a not necessarily i don't think a failing of the game i think that's kind of great uh, for example um so much of it comes from the usual suspects it, i mean even down to i think the the level that you were talking about cullum the scorpion and the frog they have the explosion and the fire at the harbor which is at the beginning of the usual suspects and then you have one of the characters receives a, a phone call from a sort of a mystery person on the other end of the line that whole idea of telling a story and then having that story recontextualized by other things that you find out and sudden and suddenly thinking ah okay what we've been seeing is in fact not to be trusted i suppose that was really at the forefront of my head so perhaps that in a funny old way perhaps that stopped me really kind of getting into the story i sort of thought oh all all this is dubious but i don't think that's necessarily crazy i actually just sort of sat back and thought oh that's 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 clever that's that's it's a good conceit and the the, the reference and there's other i mean there's so much, you know, he, I think he calls Voltaire um, Clouseau as he takes a kind of jab, jab at him. And there's another reference to um, a film called The Jackal, that Bruce Willis movie from 1997. There's like scattershot references throughout. And I was just smirking every now and again. Is that engaging with the story? Maybe not. Maybe it's engaging with what the writers are doing uh, on a sort of cerebral level more than actually engaging with the story. But to be honest, I had fun. And so I don't really mind. I think I had as much fun as you guys did, but maybe in a slightly different way. I wasn't edge of my seat. Oh my God, what did he do? Oh, he stabbed him in the back. I, I just sort of sat back and was smirking at the whole thing. <laughs> and obviously 2013 
a different time where you could make a reference to the usual suspects and it was fine. <laughs> um, but 2023, obviously, not so much. I just want, I just want to say, though, in, in the stories, like, to play devil's advocate, I suppose, of what we're saying about the story, there, there's something to be said about how, like, how it is laid out. Like, when you watch these types of movies and you're, you're kind of figuring out the double crossing kind of side of it and, like, who did this and who did that, whatever, and it's up and down and it's confusion. I th- There's a part of me that I kind of was looking at it going, even though I don't know what way I'm supposed to play these levels in whatever order, I think, was that intentional? Is it intentional? Are you supposed to be like, look, you just got this way. Maybe if I go down here, I'll figure out a bit more about this. It, it was that a kind of design choice itself? Because it's until like, like I don't know how many levels I played of of the first section of it that I went down. Then I went, oh, I'll start here. And then I realized, oh, my God, the story's been told a totally different way. And I was like, OK, then this is what's going to be the situation. Maybe that was just a design choice. I don't know. So I was trying to like, it it almost make makes the player if you have the patience, I guess, to to do this. But like you could be the kind of detective in its own way towards it, and you kind of tell the story in your kind of manner, I guess. Because even though they added the origins, I don't know when the origin story got added to it. Like there is a fine bit of uh like depth to each character within those levels as well to add to the overall main story that was originally put in place. So. uh yeah, I don't know. I think like the, there's no real true answer on how to do it, but I feel like just just do it your own way. And I think uh, overall you get you get the same ending, I guess. But it's just how you want to, uh, how, what way you want to do it, I guess. But you know, uh, I, I I I I really did have good good fun with the story. I have to say. So that is what we thought of the story. So now it's kind of the miscellaneous part of the review where we hoover up any other little opinions that we wanted to mention that don't fit elsewhere. And I wanted to start us off because I wanted to start off by saying, Josh Wise, you're wrong. <laughs> Josh Wise, how dare you What's that? say that this soundtrack doesn't fit? Oh, Monica, right. what's yours is oh, mine. Okay. It's fantastic. And yeah. I'm not going to say Tenshu levels, like Tenshu is kind of the, the, the gold <laughs> standard so far <laughs> here. Tenshu is, I mean, Tenshu doesn't really fit either, you know. Tenshu's um, out, right? No, it doesn't. It do, it, parts of it don't. <laughs> I, I mentioned it earlier, but Austin Wintry was behind the soundtrack to this. He most notably of Journey fame, but also uh, Abzu, Assassin's Creed, Syndicate or Unity. No, Syndicate, I think. I think it's but, Syndicate. Uh, and he did the Banner Saga as well. But here, Wintry is uh, constrained purely to pianos and organs and nothing else. And mm. he produces this Silent movie, sort of ragtimey ish yeah. soundtrack. Uh, oh, I think it's I think it's terrific. Like the best track for me is Discotheque Rouge, which was the level that you spoke about, Adam. And it's you spoke about it being a nightclub, and it's meant to have this like thumping, uh, thumping soundtrack, which is harder to produce on an organ and a a piano without some sort of kick drum behind it. But he he does it. I I I think he does it does it terrifically. Yeah. And I wanted to play a li- little bit of that. So yeah, this is dis- uh, a little bit from Discotheque Rouge. <laughs> Discotheque 
I could play more. It's fantastic. I I adore it. It's superb. Uh, yeah, like uh, I, I'm sure, I'm sure that was part of the reason why you picked Discotheque Rouge as well, Adam, and why the nightclub setting fits so well. It's just that music is brilliant. Yeah, I, th- I think like the the entire the entire soundtrack alone is is fan- it's not something I'd listen to, uh, like walking down the street in any way. But I think for the game, the whole it just is, it just suits the entire game through and through. It's exactly kind of what it should be, I guess. You know. Well, I th- I think you were sort of singing the the theme tune there, were you? So let's give the people at home a little bit of that because <laughs> I think this is great. It's only like forty seconds, uh, but I think the people listening to this should should be able to hear it. So yeah, here is here is what you uh, what you hear when you boot up the game. There's something sort of, I don't know, mischievous about it. And obviously, yeah, yeah. it captures that chaos as well of the game uh, so well. I think I immediately take back what I just what I just said there. I think uh, I think I would listen to that walking down the street. I think it's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> um, and because I loved it so much, I did want to play a little bit of the Zonico theme tune. It's just a really yes. cool twist on what you just heard. So yeah, this is the um, on the main menu. You switch between enhanced, uh, classic mode, which is just how the game originally launched in 2013, and the zombie mode. And when you switch the zombie mode, the song that you're hearing also changes. So yeah, here is the the theme tune, but with the the zombie, basically minor key twist. So yeah, that is just a little bit on on the music of of Monaco and what Austin Wintry did, and yeah, I think it's flipping good, is what I do. <laughs> Adam, you wanted to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about the the co op aspect of this game because we haven't spoken about it much. I think because the we mostly played uh, single player, all of us, but. It is something that's touted, and when I go through some of the reviews from outlets at the time, you know, it really pushes the the multiplayer and the co op aspect. Look, I, I'll be honest, and I, I think I said it already, but this game is essential multiplayer. I think it's like it can be done. I did do the majority of the game. I did actually the whole game on single player. I did a couple of rounds in with like uh, random players, or whatever. I just jumped in to see what it was like. But you know, like there was a especially the later missions it, it was it was tough it was it was tough to the point where i was like mm, this is where it's really showing how i could do with somebody being the hacker right now and doing this so i could get there and that's the kind of way it was kind of playing out like you can get through the entire game but like it's a hundred percent more fun if you probably get that solid team of four players and you're all 
doing it correctly and in sync and just like knowing the game inside out. Um, I ended up like watching a couple of people play it on uh, online and stuff, just just seeing what way the multiplayer works in, in general for a bigger group. And it just looks brilliant how it's played. And like, yeah, it just, it, 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 as I said, it's still, you can still perfectly manage a single player, but um, it just does later missions. Phew, it gets... It gets tough and it gets messy on because of you not having the other people, other players there to help you out. Like, so, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't in any way, I wouldn't say, oh, don't get it unless you're playing it with, um, mm-hmm. if you're playing your own, but it's, it's just one of those things that like multiplayer shines massively. I, I think that's very fair. But something else that shines is that little monkey, Josh, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he does. <clears throat> he does, and uh, I—it was actually quite annoying because it's the pickpocket uh, character as a little monkey that knocks about with him, and I actually sort of stopped playing as the pickpocket because some of the other abilities of the characters were just a bit better, I think. But it is a shame uh, because he's a little monkey and he jumps about like nobody's business, and he makes little monkey noises, um, which is brilliant. But also, he thieves the coins for you yep. and that's really really good because it de like de-stress you know i was sort of saying early on in monaco lot you know a lot of visual noise you know you get used to it but there's still kind of a lot going on and the little monkey would sort of take away some of that stress because you just walk into a room and he jumps about getting the coins neat so you don't have to run around hoovering up all the coins because he'll get them for you. And I, I I, do think that there aren't many or even any video games that aren't improved with monkeys. I can't disagree. Yeah. What, did you say you can't disagree? Or I, ca- I can't agree more. Whichever. Take you can't agree, you you can't agree yeah. more. Yeah, 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 some negatives going on there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> monkey from Enslaved. Yeah. Excellent monkey. Brilliant. There's a, there's a monkey in Sekiro. Oh, he's a big ape. Uh, and Sekiro is... Ape out. Terrific game. Again, it's not a monkey, it's an ape. <laughs> it's an ape. Well, it, yeah, monkeys and apes. It's all... It's all Simeon-like. Simeon japes. Yeah, Ape Escape, famously, one of the best games ever. Um, we should put Ape Escape on this podcast at some point because you do have to creep up on the monkeys. I'm just putting that out there. So Monkey Island. Monkey Island. Mm. Yeah, although... Yeah, not actually many monkeys on Not monkey many monkeys, Island. but but you know, it's It's all there in the name. But yeah, it, the monkey the monkey was my way into Monaco and uh and I'm glad he was there because uh you know, I needed I needed to sort of set, settle things down a bit, get used to the game's visual language and the little monkey fella helped out a lot. 100%. Uh so yeah, that is our thoughts on Monaco what's yours is mine. Not our final final thoughts though. We'll give you our our seals of approval or disapproval in a bit. But before that, we have to play a quiz and the final ever trivia espionage action. Ooh. All will be revealed after this little musical interlude. Every episode of Stealth Boom Boom sees me test the gaming knowledge of my co-host Adam Carroll and Josh Wise with a simple quiz I like to call Trivia Espionage Action. The quiz consists of questions related to the game we've just discussed. Today, of course, that is Monaco. 
What's yours is mine. Each participant is given three questions. Each question has potentially three stages. Stage one, the question is given without any hints. If the question answerer answers correctly here, they get three points. However, they can pass and move on to stage two. In stage two, the same question becomes a multiple choice question. The question answerer gets four multiple choice options. And if they answer correctly here, they get two points. However, they can pass here as well. And then they'll move on to the third and final stage of the question. And in stage three, that same four multiple choice uh, option question becomes a two multiple choice option question. If the question answerer answers correctly here, they get one point. Importantly, the question answerer has only one chance to submit a final answer. If the question answerer is incorrect, the question is offered to the other question answerer. If the other question answerer answers correctly, they get one point regardless of what stage the question is at. Now, before we uh, actually get on to the quiz itself... I will say this is indeed the final edition of Trivia Espionage Action, <gasps> as you know it. As you know it. As you know it. <laughs> I don't believe it. Well, believe it, baby. Because in two weeks' time, it, there will be a quiz, but it will be in a different form. So this, yeah. this one, <gasps> it's for all the marbles, okay? Uh, all right. Josh, Josh, you can, because you uh, won last week, you get to choose. Would you like to go first or second? I would like to go first, please. Josh Wise, your first question is as follows. As mentioned earlier, Monaco What's Yours Is Mine won the top prize at the IGF Awards in 2010, the Seamus McNally Grand Prize. Can you tell me the name of one of the other four nominees? Oh, blimey. Uh, one of the other four. Well, I I do like the drama of just having a, a crazy, like, punt. Um, but I can't imagine what that would have been. Uh, can I please, may I have the option? You can, indeed. So moving on to stage two, where the question is offered for two points, your multiple choice options are as follows. A, Fez. B, Hotline Miami. C, Minecraft. And D, Super Meat Boy. Ooh, uh, 2010. I- I'll go soup for Super Meat Boy, please. Is that your final answer? Yes. Oh. Final answer. Josh Wise, cowardly, uh, went for the multiple choice options. But, however, upon getting the multiple choice options, very quickly, very confidently said Super Meat Boy. I'm going to totally ignore any of the other ones. Because you went through kind of uh, through your little calendar and said, well, the, 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 the time would match up, even though Monaco came out in 2013 and it won the 2010 IGF award. But Josh Wise, I can tell you that you you went for D Super Meat Boy, and Super Meat Boy is <gasps> the correct answer. Yes! Off to yes. an incredible start straight away. So Adam, I will say, <laughs> pressure's on. <laughs> let's let's see. Let's see. Are you ready for your first question? Absolutely. I've been lifting weights. There are eight different characters you can play as in Monaco What's Yours Is Mine, but only one with a pet monkey. The pickpocket's pet monkey will collect coins scattered around the level for you. Name that monkey. 
Josh Wise absolutely fuming because he <laughs> was like, I know the answer to this question. I do. Uh, I do. Can I can I go with the name Hector? Is that your Fuck. final answer? Yes. Wow. <laughs> you know, didn't need the multiple choices there. When I asked for the name of the pet monkey, Adam, you had it. You said, well, you had a name for me at least. You said Hector. And I can tell you, Adam, for three points, Hector is... The correct answer. <laughs> I knew Come it. Come on, let's. Well done. Well done. Um, Josh Wise, are you ready for your first, or sorry, for your second question even? Yes, I'm going to try and go for maximum drama, please. The story of Monaco is told through text on screen dialogue exchanges that happen at the beginning of each level. In the first level of Act 1, Prison Break, the lookout is the first character to say anything. What is the first word slash sound that comes out of their mouth? Oh my god, oh, Jesus. Uh, no, I don't know. I have to have the options for this one, please. <laughs> okay, your options are as follows for two points. Is it A, hey, B, pst, C, quiet, or D, shh? Ooh. Bloody hell. Uh. Hmm. Oh no, I think it's it's either B or D, I think. Cause I think it is I think it is a little sound that they make. Um I'm just trying to visualize it. Um Yeah. Oh god. I think that it is oh, I think it I'm gonna have to go for uh shh. D. Is D sh your final answer? No, I'm no. I'm gonna go for pst, pst, B, B. That's my final answer. You should go. You should go for here. <laughs> I'm not listening to Adam. Adam's trying to corrupt me. <laughs> okay, Josh Wise, you yeah, ask for the first word or sound that that is uttered in the dialogue of Monaco. What's yours is mine. You have gone for B, <laughs> pissed. And I can yeah. tell you, Josh Wise, <laughs> that pissed is the correct answer. Yes! I changed at the last minute. That's still drama. Even though I went for the options, that still counts as drama. Another two <sighs> points on the board for Josh Wise, currently in the lead 4-3. Adam Carroll, are you ready for your second question? I sure am, Colin Hearn. Prior to beginning development on the cancelled Venture Dinosauria, Pocket Watch Games' Andy Schatz was contracted to create a web browser game for kids that had a similar eco-friendly vibe to Venture Africa and Venture Arctic. The person that approached him, and this is mad, was the co-founder of a dating website. Name that dating <laughs> website. And if you'll remember, this was <laughs> alluded to uh, during, uh, yeah. during the little bio. <laughs> oh man Can I get multiple choice please You can Don't sound so dejected Adam uh, For for <laughs> two points I prefer the Hector question Your multiple choice <laughs> options are as follows A. eHarmony B. Match.com C. OkCupid And D. Plenty of Fish Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, and remember, you know, you can always go to stage three if you would like, where it's 
Um, all right, so look, go for it. 50-50 for the last one. Let's try it. Okay, 50-50, you are left with bmatch.com and C OK Cupid. OK Cupid, by answer. Very confident. Hang on, hang on. What if... Yeah. Anyway, go on. <laughs> All right, we'll get to your steward's inquiry. Remember, this is the final edition, so it might be worth it, really. Um, but yes, for one point, Adam, you have gone for C. OK Cupid, and I can tell you that OK Cupid is incorrect. Oh I can't man! Believe what's happening. And I know what you were just about to ask, Josh, because I've only just realised it. And it's sort of gained potency because he was wrong. I, I can't really <laughs> offer it off. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Boy, what you do? What you do? Well, no, Josh realised it just before I did. Like, I can't offer it to Josh because it's like, which one is it, Josh? Is it match.com or... Dot dot dot. <laughs> so it, it just has to. It just has to it's stay. It's kind as of an is. error in the in the format. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't then be fair. Is is it match dot com? Josh Wise, <laughs> would you like your third and final question? Yes, please. As mentioned earlier, Pocket Watch Games' Andy Schatz worked at now-defunct video games developer TKO Software for a period in the early 2000s. One of the games he worked on was a first-person shooter. Name that first-person shooter. Oh, uh, TKO Software. Well, well, uh, because obviously... We know that it was um, Goldeneye. Right. He worked on another one. <laughs> oh, it's so, okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. One that we haven't talked yeah. about. Um, Deliberately. <laughs> TKO. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, I don't know. TKO. Would you like your multiple choice options? Yeah, what's the score? Uh, it's 4-3. Yeah. And this is my final question. Correct. Come on, give the audience what they want. Give them the multiple choice. <laughs> All right, can I have the multiple choice, please? Okay, your multiple choice are A, Battlefield 1942, B, mm. Call of Duty, C, Medal of Honor Allied Assault Breakthrough, or D, Unreal Tournament 2004. Oh. Oh, okay. Unreal. Well, it's not going to be that. And it's not going to be that. Oh, yeah, and it's not going to be that. Well, it's going to be C then. Uh, it's going to be uh, Medal of Honor Allied Assault, the breakthrough expansion. Is that your final answer? Yes. Oh. Okay. Interesting. You, you. What was your working out? Out of curiosity. Just the uh, developers. Makes sense. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I, okay. like, I know who made all the games, and <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Well, you went for C, Medal of Honor Allied Assault Breakthrough, and I can tell you, Josh, that Medal of Honor Allied Assault Breakthrough is the correct oh. answer. Oh, thank Christ for that! I would look very silly. Well done. <laughs> Terrific working out, in fairness. So we so Adam, we go into your final question. The score is six three. 
Mm-hmm. And so to yeah to level it, I have to get need this. To get it right. Oh in, my god! Need to get maximum right drama. Mm. Oh, watch! I bet this is some ridiculously easy one, isn't it? What is the name of the game? Uh, Adam, are you ready for your third and final question? Yes. In the Origins campaign, Inspector Voltaire interviews the lookout. In said interview, the lookout mentions what country she is from. Name that country. Oh. Ooh, um. Ah, uh, ah, uh, hang on. Um, ah, uh, Jesus. Ah, uh, Haiti, Haiti, Haiti. Final answer, Haiti. All right, it's gone orange. I don't need to ask you twice. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited. It better be rise. Adam Carroll. Yeah, it, it, it needed to find it. You knew it was in that brain somewhere. You needed to rustle around, needed to find it. You found Haiti. I can tell you, Adam, that Haiti is... The correct answer. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. We need a, Thank God we need a sudden death lightning round. <laughs> Thank God I played those origins. Holy smokes. What a great day. <laughs> Uh, sadly, I mean, there's many flaws to this, which is possibly why I'm changing it to something else. Uh, but we don't have a tiebreaker, so do we end them boat winners? Yeah, do you know what? That's nicer. Yeah, it's poetic. Yeah. Everyone's a winner, baby. That's the truth. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> right now, uh, we'll take a quick little break, and then we'll be back after this to give you our final, final thoughts. On Monaco, what's yours is mine. So yes, this is the part of the show where we give you the verdict, our verdict. We give a seal of approval or disapproval on Monaco, what's yours is mine. But before that, here is what critics were saying at the time in April 2013 about Monaco. So, uh, a couple of reviews here. The first one from Marty Sleeve at IGN, who gave it 9 out of 10. Uh, he said, Monaco, what's yours is mine, delivers one of the purest, most enjoyable cooperative experiences of a ha- I've had in, some t- uh, in quite some time. Excuse me, With a great atmosphere and deceptively simple mechanics, it stands out as one of the most unique and addicting games of 2013. Tom McShay of GameSpot gave it 7 out of 10 and said the appeal of stealth ties in largely to how scared you are of being caught, and because it's so easy to escape, the tension slowly evaporates. Even with the soft-headed guards, it's still a lot of fun to roam through this novel adventure. The sheer diversity of tactics and the lure of simple cooperative play uh, fun make you happy to put on the gloves of a thief in training. Alex Navarro of Giant Bomb gave it a 4 out of 5, and said, while I admittedly become, became less enamoured with Monaco as it ramped up its difficulty and turned some of its later missions into tedious exercises and trial and error, the vast majority of Monaco's content is simply a delight to play, especially when enjoyed alongside a rogues gallery of your most deviously skilled friends. Daniel Riendu of Polygon gave it 7 out of 10 and said, when Monaco is working, when two or more are, uh, two or more people are picking through its stages, evading traps, conking out guards and breaking into dangerous territory, it clicks like an expensive safe. It nails the white-knuckled Hollywood heist motif with style. But you're going to need like-minded friends and a whole lot of patience to get there. And finally, Cassandra Caw of PC Gamer gave it 90 out of 100 and said Monaco is only held back by the people you play it with. Get the right posse and it's one of the best co-op games of all time. But none of those opinions, as I say every week, 
none of those opinions matter. The only opinions that matter are Adam's, Josh's and mine as we bestow badges of approval or disapproval on Monaco. What's yours is mine. So how this works is that each of us will give Monaco a rating. That rating is either a pass, a play or an espionage explosion. A pass, we don't think you should play this game. A play, we think you should play this game. Or an espionage explosion, where we really think you should play this game. All rationale for ratings is entirely up to whomever is bestowing the badge of approval slash disapproval. So, let's give our final ratings, the verdict, on Monaco, what's yours is mine. Adam, as is tradition now, you start us off. Would you like to to get the ball rolling? Yeah. Um, so look, there's, aside from what I said about like multiplayer being essential, I think the single player is still great. And I think as of right now, the entire package that exists of Monaco with like the origins, the, the zombie mode, uh, Zonico and stuff, it's, there's, there's a ton here. I think there's a ton of replay value, a really fun story. Um, and when you get your head around like each character and how it all works, I think there's so much fun. And personally, if it only took a couple of levels before I was just just taken back by the whole thing and its music and everything. And for me, I'm giving it an espionage explosion. Adam's first espionage explosion. So yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well done to you, Monaco. Josh Wise, where do you land on Monaco? It's a play. Would you like to... <laughs> <laughs> would you like to say more words? Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, and I will. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is good. Its stealth is uh, good and very, very interesting. However, it, it there is there are some frustrations. It is a little bit of trial and error. I could have done with a quick restart, but those are in the grand scheme of things like earlier niggles, and it does click, and you do warm up to it. And I did ha- have fun with it. Um, it's interesting how we split it. I mean, I, I always sort of like to compartmentalize everything. I, I mean, the boom boom just isn't up to much it's got some fun bits in the boom boom the shotgun's quite fun but on the whole it's um there's just not enough of an explosion for me but it is good stealth and uh it's just for it and it's good vibes as well it's an interesting idea of stealth uh and it should be played it should absolutely be played i think if you if you play hitman if you like the genre fascinating idea you know hitman meets pac-man not quite bit hotline Miami thrown in there it's a play for me, but it's just not um, that absolute sort of upper upper level, I wouldn't have said. For me, I mean, if you haven't guessed already, it's quite an easy espionage explosion. And my first espionage explosion, I think, even reading back my review, like from 10 years ago, whilst I cringed <laughs> at parts of it, I was like, I, I'm more positive on it now than I was. I think this holds up exceptionally well in mm-hmm. nigh on every regard. Yes, like to, to, to quickly 
and again, as we say, like an espionage explosion doesn't mean perfect or a play doesn't mean this. Like it's up to the person entirely. Um, Like this, it has little issues. Like there is trial and error uh, in this that can't be avoided and can sometimes frustrate. But that is countered by the kind of discovery in a map and like how the chaos, like I really enjoy the chaos and I really enjoy the, the variety in every character. It's story is fun. It, it's art style is really great. Like the music is terrific. Christ. I, 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 this surprised me how well it held up. I, I, I went for it totally. Maybe more, more. So. And it's got yeah. a monkey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So what else do you want? Really? That is what we thought. Uh, or what we think of Monaco, what's yours is mine. But forget all that. Don't need to think about that anymore. We need to think about what we are going to be discussing in two weeks' time on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom. Because on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom, we're going to be looking at a game that had Kevin Van Ord of GameSpot saying, quote, Huge, gorgeous world that feels wholly alive. Joyous mix of stealth, action and platforming. Tons of small details will constantly amaze you. Anthony Birch of Destructoid said this game, quote, is a disappointing repetitive game filled with horrendously long and unnecessary cutscenes, a boring plot, tedious chores and significant difficulty problems, end quote. And Mikel Reparez of A Game's Radar said, quote, with its riveting story, beautiful visuals and surprisingly lifelike world, this game is an incredibly deep, enjoyable game that kept us addicted from beginning to bizarre end, end quote. On the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom, we're going to be looking at a series that is still going today, but we're going right back to the original. Because in two weeks' time, we are going to be talking about Assassin's Creed. The Holy Land, 12 centuries after the birth of Christ. After him, get him! Stop the assassin! It was a time of fear. Stop him! You're not his A time of war. Don't let him get away! And the only hope of ending the bloodshed lay in the hands of history's most notorious killers. Altair, I hold here a list. Nine men who need to die. They are plague bringers who dare disrespect me. War makers. Break his legs, both of them. Their power and influence corrupts the land and ensures the crusades continue. These men must be destroyed. Have you any questions? Only where I need begin. Shrouded in secrecy. These creatures cling to the shadows. Trained from birth to master the art of death. The streets run red with the blood of his victims. The brothers hunted their prey without rest. You don't frighten me! Show yourself! Delivered the killing blow without mercy. And escaped to fight another day. He's over there! Don't let him get away! For they were the assassins. And that was their creed.
of the kills. Assassin's Creed. It's a biggie. It's a biggie from 2007. 16 years. I'm going to take a stab that all of us have played Assassin's Creed at some point in our lives. Absolutely. Oh yeah, big time. I bought it. I don't know if I bought it on release date, but I... It was, it was one of the most expensive uh, games at the time. I remember when it came out, going off of the back of it being like games coming out. I think when Assassin's Creed 1 came out, if I'm right, I'm 99% sure I am, it was a 10 or more expensive than any other game at the time. Oh shit, really? I, th- I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're huh? right. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all that in a fortnight's time. That's something for you to look forward to. It's available on pretty much everything, I think, if you want to play that. So that you can listen to us chat about the first game in the, I don't know, 46 Game Strong series. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be experiencing the the beginning once again of the Desmond Miles story. It's exciting. Um, But yeah, we keep our opinions to ourselves for... uh, for the next episode. So yeah, that just about does it for this episode of Stell the Boom Boom. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening. Of course, you can subscribe to our lovely little podcast on all your podcatching apps, including but not limited to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Pocket Casts, etc., etc. We're just search for us on there and you'll most likely find us. If you don't find us, let us know, please. Because, uh, yeah, I, I think I've covered most things, but maybe there's one or two missing. Also, importantly, as well as subscribing to us, if you could rate and review us as well, that stuff helps. So, yeah, on, you know, five stars on Apple Podcasts. I think if you put in anything below five stars on your on your app, your phone explodes. So I'd highly recommend <laughs> if you want to keep your phone, just putting in five stars for Stealth Boom Boom. You can also, if you so wish, follow us on social media, we are on all of the social media that matters. You'll find us at Stealth Boom Boom on everything. Uh, you can also follow us individually as well. I am at Column underscore Ahern. Adam is at Adam Zokes. And Josh is at Joshy Weiss. So now it is indeed time for my least favourite part of the show. This is the part of the show where we must bid the listener adieu. So say goodbye. Adam Carroll. Goodbye, everyone. Say goodbye, Josh Wise. Bye. And say goodbye, Colin Ahern. Sloan Gaffold.